everybody. Welcome back to episode number 54. Shout out to Cousin Kirk, the Brian Erlacher episode of the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. I am your co-host, Rusty Buckets, coming to you on a much-needed Wednesday night, man. I've been looking forward to this all week. Drew, welcome in, my co-host. Uh, Uncle Buck, Drew Gann, welcome to the podcast, sir. Hey, Rusty, how's it going? Well, you know, it's good, man. Life here on the coast is never all that bad. Yeah, I uh, I like to, you know... I like to think, you know, me and you have got some, you know, we've got a lot of good things about us. We have a lot of good qualities. One of the qualities that I hope we get as we age, you know, closer to retirement is the quality that Brian Erlacher has. And that is, upon retirement, being able to miraculously grow hair. <laughs> and so maybe by the time that we retire, we've got enough money to somehow figure out how to... Uh, grow hair instead of lose hair so yeah because both of our hairlines are running away from our face as fast <laughs> yeah. as they possibly can yeah. uh i told my wife the other day i was looking in the mirror which is never advisable uh but i got to look in the mirror and uh i said honey come here and i guess the you know the added responsibilities of work and whatever have gotten to me because on the side of my head are just gray hairs <laughs> just Above the ears, you know, I got to go get a haircut. You know, I can't can't be having this. So, I feel that I, if man, I, it, if it I, would just turn gray and keep and stay, I'd be happy with it. You know, but it's the turning gray and you know running yeah. away scared that's the problem. I'm getting more and more white in my beard. Like every day right. I look at it, there's more like white hairs coming out, and like I'm fine with a salt and pepper beard, but yeah, it, you're right. I'm getting I, I've got one really really silver one right here up front, but it's getting well, further. Well, don't worry. Further, that one will be gone further, before too long. That's it. <laughs> it's gone. I'm getting, I'm still, I'm still getting my hair cut and wearing it kind of styled, but you, I mean, you know, I used to shave my head all the time and I'm getting back to it's almost that time again. Yeah. It's, you know, I've always told everybody, it's like, you know, one day I'm just going to see a picture of myself and I'm going to be like, you know what? Enough's enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say anything to anybody. It's just going to be bald yeah. and I'm not going to you know shave it to a one and you know show everybody my patches it's just going to be straight razor shaped yeah. and i'll just make sure my beard stays nice and thick instead of ever trimming it or anything it's just going to stay bushy and i'll just have a bald head and a it'll be a big cue ball a beard a big bearded cue ball with and, a great uh, sweet beard man it's, yeah and listen your beard game is better than your hair game everybody knows that. Like, you got to have a good beard game these days because we can well, wear hats to cover it up and 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 all that but you need a sweet beard which we both you know, have been blessed with for sure you know black people can go bald and it, they never age i mean it's just mm-hmm. a seamless it, bald people uh look good i mean black people look good bald i mean mm-hmm. there's just no question about it uh if you're white and want to be bald you've got to be tall you know you got to be like <laughs> You know, like Scott Van Pelt, or you know, it it helps if you're tall and bald. If you're short and bald, you better be funny. You know, because yeah. it's it's just not a good look for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you cue ball jokes rot themselves. You know. Yeah, I mean that's it, and especially because when you and I first reconnected, when I moved back to Mississippi in 2015, you had that long flow. You just mm-hmm. had that those luscious locks. That you know, I compared you to Meatloaf at times with that. Yeah, R.I.P. with that long, long flowing hair. And so we're both hanging on to it as long as we possibly can, but we both see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I grew up and cut my hair, and now I'm growing old and losing it. And so maybe (laughs) the moral of the story is if you never cut it, you don't lose it. But 
I mean, I, I regret – the one regret in life I have is now that I'm losing my hair that I didn't wear it longer when I was younger. God, you just buzz it all the time. Didn't right. care. It was easier to maintain. I've got a decent-looking bald head. I never had a say when I was younger. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you didn't either. Rocky wasn't yeah. going to have a long, scraggly-haired boy running no, sir. the house. No, sir. Especially not my granddaddy, R.I.P. Uh, his daddy would – he would flip. He used to accuse because – you know, Jim, my cousin, he has yeah. got the curliest uh-huh. hair. And for years, Granddad would say all the time, why you go get them perms? Why you go get them <laughs> perms? And I'm like, Granddaddy, he don't. He's just got curly hair. Yeah. I always said, you know, if I had curly hair like Jim's, your cousin, or or friend of the podcast, Zach, man, it'd mm-hmm. be down my back. Like, uh, it's yeah. just, it, I would, I'd pay for a scalp like that. And I would just, be. I don't have it. Straight up Macho Man Randy Savage with the oh, l- yeah. like shoulder length mullet, just oh yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, this is the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. Uh, we are a podcast and not a television show because of our uh, our inefficiencies when it comes to looks. And so, uh, yeah. you know, you get what you pay for. If you want to listen to a podcast, you're doing it for the voices. I'm not saying our voices are great either, right? But they're better than our looks. 100%. You know, Drew, I've always said that I have a face made for radio, and yeah. podcasting is a part of that, man, because uh, you can't see me. Welcome to 2023. This that's is it. the radio. That's <laughs> it. 100%. And so those of you who choose to listen and watch us on YouTube, like, shout out. That, that's that got to be some cruel and unusual punishment. Appreciate y'all being here, but why? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Kirk has, all, has told me recently that he prefers the YouTube stream. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, and it's just because he, because of the looks we give each other when we're talking about our respective teams. <laughs> so. That's fair. Me and my my rubbing of my eyes <laughs> yeah. and rolling my eyes at you and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, man. Tell me your what's your what's your best of the week? You know, one of our segments brought to you by a future sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. We always talk about our best and our beef of the week. So, what's your best of the week? Yeah. Uh, so this is sponsored by Serta. And by Farrell's Home and Outdoor. It's our second ever sponsor uh, segment sponsored by Farrell's Home and Outdoor. They just don't know because, it yet. <laughs> listen, listen to me. I've always thought, you know, I live a good life. I've got a happy life. i got a happy family. But this week we started living like a king. And that all started by my wife looking on Facebook and seeing that Andrew Farrell's wife posted a like-new king-size mattress free. Just come pick it up. And so I said, I called my dad. I was like, I'm stuck at work. Uh, my dad lives, you know, 10 minutes from Andrew and I live about 40 minutes from Andrew. I said, I can suck at work. You got to go get this mattress. And so, uh, my dad went and got the mattress and, uh, I called Haley and I was like, we got it. All right. So at that point, well, like, now what do we do with it? And I'm like, I don't know. We're just leaving it in the garage. And so we went to like the secondhand store that they do like a bunch of refinishing furniture and stuff and went out the door with a, uh, box spring and a frame and with the free mattress, $125. And let Good me tell you what, every Lord. night I get in the bed and I look at my wife and I just say, we're living like kings, baby. <laughs> like, how do we ever li- just sleep on a poor folks queen-size mattress? I'll never understand. No, no, no going back now, that's for no. sure. I am the size of a queen-size mattress. So, yeah. I welcome to the club, man. There is nothing like a good, comfortable king-size mattress where you can spread out. Man, whew, absolutely. And I'm telling you. You know Andrew. I grew up with Andrew. He's probably my longest tenured friend that's not family. Uh, he sells mattresses, and they don't sell the cheap ones. 
and he's a guy who likes luxury. And so I'm telling you, and that's what I told my wife, I was like, if they're giving away a mattress, I can promise you secondhand, if they were to sell it for what it's worth secondhand, we couldn't afford it. Yeah. But, but they're putting it on the front porch like, ah, we're, we're on our way. You know? <laughs> we are the handout people. We're yeah. taking handouts. By all means, I am not too proud to beg. And I text Andrew <laughs> and Devin, uh, his wife, who I also grew up with, and I said, listen, uh, is this first come, first serve? She said, yeah, it's already spoken for. And in the post it said, first come, first serve, just come get it. And I said, all right, I understand it's spoken for, but is this a race? Because <laughs> I can probably get there quicker. I'll make sure of it. Mm-hmm. And she just responded. She just said, come get it. It's yours. I was like, yes. <laughs> On our way. Dad, go get it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my best of the week. And I'm telling you, it may be the best of the year for me. Mm. It's that king-size mattress. Man, you're not wrong. Not wrong. Um my best of the week is just good friendship, man. Again, I've used that one before, but uh, our good buddy, friend of the podcast, Lauren Massey, was in town this weekend, and <clears throat> we had had some really good times. You know, dinner Friday night, played golf on Sunday, where we sent Drew our our, our annual yeah. selfie that we always well more than annual, but our traditional. That's the word I'm looking for. Traditional yeah. selfie that we always take, and then sent another one last night. And we were together at dinner again. Just. Appreciate Lauren and and uh, you know when good friends come to town, it's nice just to break out of the monotony of the everyday right. and <clears throat> rehash old memories like meeting them on the beach because of that right. Colton Wong jersey. Colton Wong, <clears throat> and then uh, going to dinner that night and the fireworks, you know, dodging the fireworks uh, uh-huh. as they're coming down, and then the St. Patty's Day parade and yeah. Finn McCool's and Bimini's and I, we talked about my, one of my favorite parts of that night was you taking the picture in the bathroom because the mirror is so tall <laughs> that it's only showing like your forehead yeah. like Lauren and I are like we I never went, noticed <laughs> yeah I went to go wash my hand in the bathroom and I just kind of looked up to check myself make sure I didn't have any t- anything in my teeth and the mirror was was hung so high on the wall that all it caught was my forehead and I was like this is insulting I've never in my life been more insulted than I was by this mirror. And so while in the bathroom, I just took a selfie of myself as as I was seeing myself in that mirror and sent it to everybody. And by the time I walked out of the bathroom and sat down, everybody was just still doubled over laughing at this ridiculous <laughs> picture that only I could take because I'm the only one out of any of my friends that are vertically challenged at all. Especially like at all that my table. friends are 6'3 or taller. Yeah. Uh, and so my wedding party was just like embarrassing you know because <laughs> chris was standing right beside me and he's like six three and mm. you're six five and lauren's bigger than you are yep and so i mean i it's just like standing between two skyscrapers anytime i go it's like oh who's the two guys and you know their manager you know? <laughs> so. yeah but it was just a good weekend of rehashes and stuff and just uh connected man it was a lot of fun played a great golf course uh the golf course was great the friendship was better we won't talk about the actual golf game but no um had a good time so shout out lauren and and uh and good friendship like that man for sure yeah uh well my beef is a fantasy football beef because it's something that i was dealing with uh yesterday actually uh, everybody who plays fantasy football knows that Tuesday is waiver day. Well, Sunday, the guy that I took number one overall in our League of Avengers, Justin Jefferson, goes out with a, a thigh injury or hamstring injury. And it comes out, they say that they're going to put him on injured reserve. But until you put him on injured reserve, I can't move him into the IR spot on my bench. And so all day yesterday, I'm like, all right, I need to move, make him 
IR eligible so I can put him on my bench. And so I have a free roster spot. And I'll be danged if they didn't do it at like 8 o'clock this morning after waivers had just processed. And I just made me angry. So I had to go drop somebody and then to to make a waiver move. And then I had to open up another spot once Justin Jefferson got IR eligible. But all that to say, that wasn't even as frustrating as Justin Jefferson getting injured and being on the IR. Uh, I saw yeah. uh, saw a stat today. Uh, it was like the last four consensus number one fantasy draft picks was Justin Jefferson, who's just going on IR, missing a minimum of four games. Last year was Jonathan Taylor, who played 11 games. Uh, the year before that, it was maybe Christian McCaffrey, who played like three games. And then Christian McCaffrey again to play like seven. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the curse of the number one pick is real. It's like the Madden curse of fantasy football. 100%. And everybody wanted to, you know, you know, make fun of me and thinking I was complaining about having the best pick of the draft because I had the number one pick. It's not always what it's cracked up to be. You know, you get the long wait in between every pick, uh, followed by back-to-back picks, and then you wait 24 yeah. picks to your next one. And then you're so dependent on that number one pick. And the number one pick seemingly every year, if you go with the consensus anyways, they get injured. So next I, year, if I get it, I'm not taking the consensus 101. <laughs> Listen, I, I have been playing fantasy football since I was in college, and I have never once that I can remember. I was thinking about that today. <clears throat> never once that I can remember have had the first overall pick. I've had the second pick. I had the third pick, but I've never had the number of overall picks. I don't want to hear it, man. Just because you're a little fake dude, won a won a forty yard dash, you got the first overall pick this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it does I suck mean, that Justin Jefferson listen, got hurt. Listen, you're still undefeated. That. You had the eleventh pick of the draft, so you know. Yeah. What are you? What are you going to complain about? Nothing. Nothing. We're okay. cruising. Exactly. <laughs> the Mad, so the Mad Titans. I'll say they are. We are a lot better than I thought I was going to be when I picked that team. I was not real happy. ESPN had me projected to finish ninth out of eleven this year, and currently, your boy's sitting in first place right now. Let's go! Yeah. Shout out. You've had a good season. Uh, I'm with you though. I'm. I, I would not have expected that based on your team. Mm-mm. No, I mean, uh, I, again, I told you right after us. Like I, we're good, not great. I think we're middle of the road, but here we are, five and zero oh, somehow. Yeah. So, anyways, we'll get to some more fantasy football at the end yeah. of the show. Uh, today, we do want to uh, – it's bye week. For well, hang on. Now, I got to tell you my beef. State. Oh, you hadn't said your beef yet. Okay. No, I well, I was going to intro the, what your beef was going to lead into. <laughs> yeah. So, you go ahead. Hold your horses here. I, uh, You know, Drew, we, are, we share one team that we like together. Right. That's the Memphis That's Grizzlies rocking true. the shirt tonight. We're back, you know, 2-0 and in preseason basketball after an overtime Which win. Which matters. It 100%. It um, It does. Uh, it does matter to see Zaire Williams and act, has actually gained weight. It yeah. matters to see David Roddy and, and Des and Bain have trimmed up a little bit and Des got a haircut. But yeah, I think my beef really is with Desmond Bain and not necessarily anything that Desmond has done wrong. The NBA Top 100. nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. The team, NBA Top 100 players was dropped today, or it's been being progressively dropped, and we're down to number 11. We don't have the top 10 yet, but I have seen enough to know that I have beef with this list. It's terrible. Absolutely. It, the NBA, we're, we're a, being a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies, we are a fan of a small market team. We don't get the, the hype or the pub that the Nets or the Lakers uh, or the Bulls or the Heat ever will. Like, we never will get that because we're a small right. market team. They're also on a mission to punish John Morant still for 
boneheaded decisions that he made. Right. John Morant is a top 15, borderline top 10 player in the NBA. There's not many people who are more acrobatic and athletic and physically gifted. Last year he was ranked ninth. (laughs) Exactly. One year later, after he had a stellar campaign when he wasn't suspended or hurt, they have him ranked as the 35th best player in the NBA. Yeah. It's they also atrocious. have yeah. Jaron Jackson Jr. outside the top 30. Most like it, They have Desmond Bain ranked as the 60th best player in the league. There are not 60 players better than Desmond Bain, who had a monster year in Jaws' absence last year. Just right. a quick couple names ahead of him. Jared Allen, center for the, the Cavs. DeAndre Ayton, who has not so, done anything anytime. So just got traded, yeah. LaMelo Ball, not buying yeah, that. I mean... We don't know anything about Victor Wimbanyama, but he's 47th. Yeah. Um, Julius Randle. Now, he can play. Julius Randle's a stat machine. But but is he better than Desmond Bain? I don't think so. Tyrese, no. the one that, but like Tyrese Maxey from the Sixers is a good six man. He's a good quality plug and play player. But I think, and it's funny, I've been following on Twitter today. Josh's Twitter fingers have been active today. Yeah. Have you seen Welcome some of that? Welcome back to Pay yeah, John. I love, I love it. it. He's back. I love yeah. it. Do you see he changed his Twitter, his banner, uh, the image yeah. above it from El Dorado with all the, the uh, knives pointed at him? Yeah. I'm Is here for it, man. Is that what from? I think it's from El Dorado. That I thought old, it was from Tangled, but anyway. I, I don't know. I've never yeah. seen Tangled. I, anyway, yeah. one of those Disney movies, Pixar movies, whatever. I got beef with this list because – they don't have a single Memphis Grizzly in the top 30 after having two in the top 30 last year. Because if, if I remember right, Jaron was like mid-20s, and then Ja I don't was know. I think I'd have to look up Jaron's. I don't know that he was that he high was. last year. Um, but, yeah, Ja being 35th is just so – it's this, it's the dumbest thing because it's, it's headline-based and it's not mm-hmm. substance-based. It's not statistics-based. The only reason he dropped, you know – 26 spots is because he brandished a gun in a nightclub yep. and then brandished a gun in his personal vehicle. Yep. Not illegal, the second right. one. You know, second offense is worse than the first because you did it twice, I guess. But the second time wasn't illegal. Mm-hmm. He served a 25-game suspension because it was a second offense. But that is the only reason that they have dropped him down to the 35th player in the league. And this is I don't know where they get these numbers. I'm sure it's yeah. voted on by a bunch of media nerds. Uh, players above John Morant, uh, you can just, you know, a second-year player like Paolo Bancaro, uh, I'll give you Mikael Bridges. I'll give you Jalen Brunson. I think they're really good. I'm high yeah. on them. I think they're good <laughs> players. I don't think they're better than John, but they're not egregious. Laurie Markkinen is trash. Brandon Ingram, no. he ain't never won nothing. No. Um, Trey Young. Carl Anthony Towns. Trey Young is the most egregious. You can't tell me right now if if you're drafting a team, and this is the way they should make a big bracket. This yes. is how they should decide this. Yes. Who would you want on your team? If you polled 100 people and it put John Morant versus Trey Young, 100 people would say they'd rather have John Morant than Trey Young. 100%. Trey Young and, goes goes silent in big games. He's done. He's won nothing, done nothing, been what, to the playoffs one time, yes. and that's it. And it went to the Eastern Conference Finals, had an incredible run. Sure. Let's be honest. But Trey Young is – he is a point guard that doesn't make players around him better. Uh, and he's he very is a, streaky. Very he streaky. He is somehow a – he is a very streaky three-point shooter. But somehow he gets so much credit for his handles and how he 
passes the ball, his accuracy passing, but it still it somehow does not translate to making his teammates better. No. It's the most mind-boggling thing in the world that anybody would go to bat for Trey Young, especially yeah. over somebody, a uh, two-time All-Star, All-NBA guy uh, like John Morant, whose only mistake is wanting to uh, flash a handgun every once in a while. Yeah, And it's a that is a mistake. That's not a basketball mistake. That's a personal mistake. This should purely be based off of on-court performance and antics, not off-court. Like, off-court, aside, John Morant's one of the top ten players in the NBA. Like, you could ask any player, any coach, any media pundit that's being honest, he's one of the top ten players in the NBA. This is purely based on off-court. Because even in the description on ESPN.com about him and about the Grizzlies, they both mention all about Ja's off-court stuff derailing his season. Like, cool, when he's on the court, he's going to dominate. That's like saying uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is not one of the greatest actors of all time because he doesn't like any women over the age of 25. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Uh, exactly. It has nothing to, I mean, it has nothing to do with acting. No. Jaws being punished for something that has nothing to do with basketball. And if you're telling me that this list, if they make this disclaimer for saying the top 300 players that we want to invest in for the 23-24 season – Okay, I'll give you that because you're subtracting 25 games off the top from Ja. Sure. So you're buying, you're having, you know, the ceiling can only go so high. He's not eligible for any postseason awards this year. He's, you know, he, you know, he was not going to be an All Star. He's not going to be All NBA because he's not eligible. He's, I mean, none of this stuff he's going to be eligible for. Uh, he's still going to be a very good player, a top 10, top 15 player in the NBA this year in games that he's playing. And he should be retreated as such. And yep. it's frustrating. I mean, uh, on one hand, I'm like, you know, it's Ja, you should have known better. Obviously, you can't make that mistake. You definitely can't make it twice. And so this is your bed. You've got to lie in it. You've, your name has been smeared yep. uh, by your own doing. However, this is a basketball list. This is talking about basketball. This is 100%. A, you know, a, a top 100 basketball players that have never made a mistake. You know, yeah. you know what? It's just not that. And yeah. so Desmond Bain is honestly more egregious to me than Ja being at six, yes, you said my. 60. 60. Um, he was, no, 61. He's 61st. They've got 60 yeah. players better than him. There's absolutely yeah. no way. Yeah, so Desmond no Bain is – There's you can't find me 60 better players than Desmond Bain. <laughs> he is an elite shooting guard. I think he makes another leap this year. I'd be shocked if he's not an all-star. Oh, yeah. Uh, here maybe next week or maybe the next we can give some bold predictions for the Grizzlies season uh, before the you know before tip off against the Pelicans uh, in a couple weeks so uh, mm-hmm. maybe look for that for us that's something we can prepare for you guys uh, but this is a college football podcast right now yep uh, that's what we're going to get to the Grizzlies are two and zero you can't win all four preseason games if you <laughs> don't win the first two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I have I have some takes, but we're going to do Grizzlies whole. Listen, you know, try to capture them as a whole in maybe a future episode. Here's what we'll do. So this week will be exclusively college football because that's what the people want. Next week with State and Ole Miss off, I think we can tackle playoff baseball. We can yeah. talk about the Grizzlies a little bit. So if you're a Grizz fan, if you're a Major League Baseball fan, next week will definitely be an episode you don't want to miss. But for now, the only thing that matters. Is college football, and so we're back uh, after week six, which was a good week of football. There was some good games, one of the best games I've ever seen in the, in the Red River rivalry. Messed that up last week, Red, not doing it yeah. this week. Um, but Drew, we both went three and three on our picks against the spread. 
you hit on Texas, you hit on LSU, and I was God, I was thirty Another seconds away from getting that. Uh-huh. Yes, that's three weeks in a row. I've had like Notre Dame screwed me twice, and now LSU. Uh, or I'd have had a, a phenomenal pick, right. but you hit on LSU. You'd have still been very far below 500. Absolutely. I still am. But And then you hit on North Carolina. Um, yeah, and you should pick. feel really stupid yeah. about that pick. Yeah. They beat the brakes off Bro. of Syracuse. <laughs> Drew texted me at some point Saturday and said, have you checked the Syracuse score lately? I'm you like, didn't respond. I did. I, I said something. I don't know. I don't remember what I said, but I did respond. Um, the three I hit on is I hit on Alabama beating A&M. Georgia, Kentucky, uh, man, yeah. talk about a beatdown. Like we I said on we this both podcast, took Kentucky on that one. No, I took Georgia because I said this. Like Georgia hasn't flexed their muscles yet, and then you yeah. said this feels like the week they do. But I'm taking Kentucky, right? And I right. took Georgia because, and boy, did they flex those muscles. Right, that's true. And then I took Arkansas to cover, not beat Ole Miss, but to cover, and and yeah. uh, it was a touchdown ball game. Again, it was just a kooky game. We'll get into all that here in a yeah, minute, but yeah. but man, like great football. That LSU Missouri game was incredible. Missouri yeah. played their tails off and just ran out of gas. Just ran, I mean, well, they had some really poor coaching decisions down the stretch. True, there. very true. Uh, you know, you get down by three, and you just had some really weird calls there. The their last <laughs> offensive drive before the pick, mm-hmm. and then LSU gets the ball back, and of course the backbreaker cover pick six is just an absolute backbreaker yeah. for anybody who had Missouri on that game because the whole game Me. they were they were winning most of that game and LSU yeah. came back and it kind of felt for LSU like this is going to be a repeat of two weeks ago at the Ole Miss game where it's just an offensive show, you know, showdown and whoever gets the final stop is going to win mm-hmm. uh, LSU got that win but they are by no means out of the no. doghouse this year they are no. I was I was wrong about them, uh, and you know I was wrong Most about them. Were. Yeah, but I I still stand by my pick. Like what I knew at the time, I would have never sure. thought that that defense would turn into what it is. I mean, my goodness, oh my they are absolutely atrocious on defense. Ole they are hundred. You know. They are one hundred and twenty second out of one hundred and thirty FBS teams in pass defense. Right, isn't nightmare. And so, and their their stats were bad going into Ole Miss, but a lot of people chalked Ole Miss up to, you know, they've got a high-powered offense. you got Judkins. You've got Dart. You've got Lane. You know, people are willing to, to say that Ole Miss is capable of scoring a lot of points. And but then are. you follow that up by giving up a lot of points to Missouri, which people don't expect. Now, Missouri's a lot, a lot better than people give them credit for. That's yes. what we're learning right now about yes. Missouri. Yep. But – uh, for LSU to for them to have the aspirations that they had going into the season, that was an absolute, uh, you know, backbreaker for them. They they're just not up to snuff. You yep. know, it, it's just not going to work well for them this year. They've still only got, uh, let's see what they've they've still only got one loss in the SEC. So there's in, there's in the races as Ole Miss is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I mean, the, the, just, the West is still wide matter, open you know? for three teams. I mean, there's still three yeah. teams that could theoretically win the West with some kookiness. But, I mean, yeah, Missouri showed up, man. We were wrong on Missouri. Everybody was wrong on Missouri. They have right. played great football. That Kansas State was a great win. This was almost a really good win. Yeah, that Kansas State win doesn't look good anymore. Not as, not as good as it did, true. But they still got a lot of winnable football games ahead of them. But, 
yeah, man, LSU has got to get some stuff figured out or Alabama's going to walk away from them. They're not going to play well. They're, I mean, there's they've got some tough games ahead of them that they've got to fix things on defense, much like Mississippi State. But, man, how about that Texas-Oklahoma game? Again, another bad beat. I had Texas in that, uh, and yeah, they were winning until through the end. driving the length of the field in, what, like a minute and some change? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To go score with 14 seconds to go. It was just an absolute what a game. thriller of a game. And Man. another game that I was on the right side of. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. felt like at the end of it, it's like Maximus from uh, Gladiator. Are you not entertained? Right. Like, I could have watched that game all day. I was hoping for overtime so we'd get more football because it was just too good to end. And it ended in dramatic fashion. It was fantastic. Uh, just great, entertaining college football. And Unlike it's, it's – it's a lot of fun thinking about too, because that's the last year. That's a big. Tw- this is the last year. That's a Big Twelve game. Yeah. That's an SEC game going forward. Hundred uh, percent. And that's super exciting for us because yeah. it's one of the non-conference games. You know, from an SEC point of view, it's one of the non-conference games that's circled on my calendar every mm-hmm. year. You know, you got the game, uh, Michigan Ohio State. You've got USC Notre Dame. I mean, there's there's a list of big games that you're paying attention to as an SEC fan, just right. as a football fan. Yeah. To, next year we're going to have skin in the game with that. And 100%. It's, it's, it's exciting going forward. Yeah, there's a lot of cool things that are going to come out of that. Having the Red River rivalry in the SEC is going to be great. They're going to keep it at the Texas State Fair because that's just one of the most just insane atmospheres in college right. football. And there's no way you can look it's at that. It's one of the few neutral site games that I – I'll, I'm a I'm fan of. Good yeah, because yeah, like, because like, Florida and Georgia playing in Jacksonville. There ain't nothing about no. that neutral site. Nothing about that. Arkansas and Texas A&M at Jerry Garbage. World. Nothing about that neutral no. site. Uh, but this is fan. Like, it's an electric scene. One of the best atmospheres in college football every year. And usually, outside of maybe a couple, like a handful of games in my lifetime, right. has been a classic football game. Oh yeah. It's one of the it's one of the greats. It's one of those games that doesn't matter the record. That's it, it. The vitriol for the teams fuel performances in that game, much like the Egg Bowl does. Yeah. Uh, and it's a nice to have a rivalry game of that magnitude and of that vitriol in the middle of the season. Yeah. Instead of you know packing all of those games into the last week of the season mm-hmm. after either on Thanksgiving or you know the Friday or Saturday after Thanksgiving, you've got so much passion. Yeah. It's nice to have that spread out, you know. And I love and that it's in the middle on, of the day. I love that it's a 12 yeah. o'clock kick. Like, you get that early in the day, and then you're hyped and ready for the evening games. It doesn't interfere with some of those other ones. Like, it's the standalone game at that 12 o'clock hour. Yeah, and shame on Notre Dame for going and losing to Louisville <laughs> because it totally watered down the USC-Notre Dame game this weekend, 100%. which is another game that I'm always a fan of. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you look at the – that was the Bush push game back in like 04, 05, whenever that was with yeah. Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush and mm-hmm. uh, all Lindell those guys. White. Lindell White. There was the Bush push game. and uh, There's so many legendary USC Notre yeah. Dame games that it's always circled on my calendar. Uh, and they really watered it down by going and losing to Louisville this week. It's another one of the games that, that records don't matter. I agree. I think it'll still be a good game. We'll, they're one of our picks for this week. It's a two-and-a-half-point spread. But Sam Hartman just absolutely crapped the bed with five picks. And after playing just heroic football against Duke and leading them back for that game, just to go out and absolutely lay an egg and lose to Louisville, who's not bad, but no. he ain't got no business beating Notre Dame. Louisville's Listen. five and one, but – yeah, Jeff Brom has done a really good job. I believe this is his first year there, right? I think, I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Jeff Brom, uh, former uh, legend of the XFL. I, I saw that video that today. Clip. I saw it today. Do I have uh, a pulse? Yes. Let's play football. Yeah, uh, after just getting obliterated. Yeah. But Jeff Brom is such a good coach. Uh, they should have hired him instead of hiring Satterwhite, but he had just gotten to to uh, Purdue, Purdue when that happened. He didn't want to leave Purdue after one year. Uh, but he's such a good coach. Uh, and they've, they've built a program. they built it fast. It's the, kind of the point I was making last week about Mississippi State and why if you're not convinced that Arnett's the guy – Go hire somebody that is because there are ways if you embrace them yeah. uh, to build your team quick and to, to instill a culture quickly. We'll get to that here in a bit. I've got some thoughts on Mississippi State. We'll spend, spend plenty of time on that. But, but, but back yeah. to Notre Dame, though, just for a second. You know, they played that game against Louisville and lost, and I couldn't help but think that that is just a result of the schedule that they've played. If you think yeah. two weeks ago – they go and play a nail-biter against Duke. And then oh, the week before that, they lose a heartbreaker at home to Ohio State. And then they go on the road to Louisville, who was just, you know, number 25. You know, they're, you know, a little pesky team. They're, they've got a little spark to them, but you're not really scared of them. Mm-hmm. And it was a real letdown game. Yeah. It was a letdown spot. It's it's sandwiched in between uh, Duke, which isn't a, it isn't, isn't a big game. Uh, it's not a trap game, but it was a big environment with College Game Day being there. But sandwiched between Ohio State, Duke, and then you've got oh, Louisville, and then you're thinking, okay, now next week we've got USC. It was a trap game, and they fell square into that trap. Hartman was 100%. bad. Marcus Freeman is just a bad coach. He's not I'm going to I'm going to be on that. I'm I'm there now. They made a real mistake. They made a Matt Luke hire and got emotional, and they got mad at Brian Kelly for leaving and going to LSU and. I think they were so scared that Brian Kelly was going to take his lead assistant, being Marcus Freeman, that they just made Marcus Freeman the head coach. And that's a job where you can you can basically handpick whoever. You know, they may not be nationally, like, championship caliber or have yeah. the – they have not had luck in the playoff, but that's one of the programs with a name and a history – that they you could, could go get pick their neck coach. You, you know, could go get an Urban Meyer. You could go get a big time got, college you, name like you that. You could have gone and gotten Luke Fickle. They just didn't mm-hmm. want to wait on Luke Fickle. But they would have mm-hmm. got Luke Fickle, who went to Wisconsin. He would have left Cincinnati to go to Notre Dame. You could have <coughs> yeah. gone and got a, you know, Ryan just Dane. about anybody. You, you, you could go pick your, yeah. pick. You know, you're not going to have five people tell you no. No, no, and no, you no. can find five people that are more qualified for the Notre Dame job than Marcus yeah. Freeman. The only like the only people that might say no would be Nick Saban. Yeah, and that Nick end of Saban, list. <laughs> end <yeah>. of list. <laughs> you know, you could convince me that Lincoln Riley wouldn't leave. Maybe now. You yeah. know, uh, you know, end of list. Really, I mean, like you, you go to that, you, you know. go to Lane Kiffin, you go to Sark, you go to any of these guys, and they're going. You go to Notre Dame. That's not a job that you turn down often. Yeah, I can't really think of a of. A, a job, you know, Harbaugh wouldn't leave Michigan. Yeah. You know, I. Yeah. Outside of that, I just. At the you, end of list, like there's not yeah. many people. Yeah. And it's my thing with Ole Miss and Mississippi State is like, you know, Mississippi State, maybe not as much, but it's like you go and you throw your best punch, you give your best pitch, and you make a bunch of people tell you no, but you start at the top of the list. Yeah. You don't start with the interim and and then try to figure out a way to to get someone else while you don't try to thread that needle no you just let marcus freeman 
follow Brian Kelly because you know that they're better options than Marcus Freeman. Yeah, and and Mississippi State did the exact same thing. We made an emotional hire promoting Zach Garnett because he was a leech guy. It was guy. a little different, though, yeah. It, it was. I mean, again, the circumstances you, were tough. Yeah. It, you know, they were trying to it keep that team time, together. You know. But I still think you make phone calls and then try and keep Garnett as the D.C. because we see what's going on now. Again, we'll get, we'll get – I've got thoughts on all of that. Yeah. We'll get into that here in just a bit. A couple more games I do want to touch on, though. Um, Alabama A and M, just a absolute yeah. slugfest. Alabama, Alabama stepped up and won that right. game. They figured it out, man. They're finna win the friggin' West. They're gonna beat LSU. They're not gonna lose to Auburn. They're gonna go play Georgia and Atlanta. They're fixing it. Their only blemish is gonna be Texas this year. You heard it here first. They're fixing to go eight zero in the SEC. Yeah, it's hard to envision a situation where they don't. You know, this week they've got Arkansas coming to their place. That said, that's they're gonna beat them by fifty. Yeah. Um, then, you know, you look at potential losses. You've got Tennessee at home. Mm-hmm. You've got LSU at home. Yep. And your road games are Kentucky and Auburn. Yeah. Like, there's just not yeah. much there for Alabama. <coughs> They've kind of gone through the, you know, Ole Miss and Ole Miss, Texas, and Texas A&M are by far their hardest matchups so far this year. Yep. Yep. Uh, going forward, it's kind of shaken out to where Tennessee's not as threatening as you thought they were. Right. They've still they may have a bullet or two in the chamber, but I'm not believing in Joe Milton. Um, LSU has is flawed as they can be, and then you've got, you know, at Kentucky and at Auburn, and Auburn's a rivalry game, but Alabama typically beats Auburn when Alabama's better than Auburn. The only time it doesn't happen is when it's at Auburn. The kooky things happen. I, like, Hugh Freeze always has that one game that he wins every year he's not supposed to. It's not that game. I think it could yeah, be this I'm, weekend. I'm not going to – I wouldn't not, bet on it. He's not using the silver – he's not saving the silver bullet for Alabama. He's saving it for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. <laughs> 100%. But, um, but I was impressed. You know, we talked last week about Texas A&M's defensive line. And shout out Alabama's oh, offensive so line. Good. But Alabama's offensive line – Gave, but they gave Milrow time, and when they gave him yeah. time, he threw the ball really well. A couple of those touchdown passes to Jermaine Burton, like he threw the ball well, and when he didn't have time, he ran. And so their Alabama's offensive line is not good, but they played really well against a one of the best front four in the SEC and got him a win. You know, um, McClellan ran the ball pretty well. Milrow made really good decisions, and it just Alabama is once again – death taxes and Alabama figures it out at Mississippi State and then they win out the rest of the year yeah it's like uh you look at what they do at the half they did this Ole Miss was up 7-3 at the half they ended up beating us what was it 24-10 yeah uh Mississippi State they just ran all over it was a clinic the whole game uh and then against A&M this week they it was let's see 10 a&M was up 14-10 at the half. Mm-hmm. Then Alabama went on to outscore them 16-3 to in the second half. They just sit on you. You know, yeah. it's what Alabama used to do so well, and Lane Kiffin kind of took them out of – you know, Lane Kiffin modernized Nick Saban's offense. Nick Saban never wanted to go to the spread. He wanted to do the A.J. McCarron way and the Mark Ingram way. But Lane – he brought in Lane to uh, modernize and off his offense, and and he did. But the problem is now Jalen Milrow is not the quarterback to run that system, and so they've just went reverted back to, you know, uh, AJ McCarron offense. Except you've got an athletic quarterback, and they're just sitting on you with defense. Uh, Jalen Milrow, he went 
Uh, he did throw the ball 33 times, went 21 of 33, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, and, whoa, can you guess how many yards he rushed for? Jalen Milrow. Uh, mm. McClellan had 12 for 45. Uh, Jalen Milrow had less than that. Oh, wow, 30, 36. Uh, no, he had, uh, let's see, 76 fewer yards. Wow. <laughs> he rushed eight times for negative 31 yards. All those sacks. The uh, sacks yeah. counting against rushing yeah. yards, is, <laughs> yeah. that's a weird stat. Uh, that's the thing. A&M's defensive front is so good. I was going to see if the ESPN don't have don't show sacks as a I don't a I don't think stat. they sacked him that many times. Uh, let's see. All right, so they had six sacks. Okay. Six sacks, eight tackles for loss, two deflections. Um, yeah. So, uh, A&M's good. Uh, yeah. A&M, A&M is a lesser version than Alabama, which is like Alabama light. They don't have the the potent offense, but they've got a really, really good defensive front. And Alabama, they just sat on them in that second half. They got a lead and sat down. That's the best way I can do it. I know yeah. like, I saw a story they were talking about. The way that Saban puts it, his terminology – is when you get ahead, he calls it taking the air out of the ball. He'll just yeah. get on the headset. And he's like, basically talking to the offensive play callers, like, all right, we're going to take the ball, take the air out of the ball here. Lane's first game against Tennessee, uh, Alabama was beating them bad. When Lane was the offensive coordinator at Alabama, Alabama was beating them bad, and and uh, Saban got on the headset and he's like, all right, take the air out of the ball. And first play, I can't remember what receiver it was. One of their dynamic ones, uh, <laughs> maybe it's Calvin Ridley. He ran a double move for Calvin Ridley for like a 75-yard <laughs> touchdown, and Saban just lit into him. And Lane just looked at him and was like, I didn't know what it meant, but it felt good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, man. I, yeah, Alabama's figuring it out. A&M is good on defense. I just don't know that Jimbo Fisher is their head coach next year. It feels prime for if they start on a losing streak and they could very well lose this weekend at Tennessee with an emotional letdown. It feels like he might be coaching for his job, especially with Bobby Petrino there as the OC. Like You've got a natural interim head coach if, if Jimbo's let go. I know that that buyout is really, really high, and I know that the likelihood of him getting fired midseason is low, but it's there. I mean, him and Kevin, Kevin Sumlin at this point in his tenure at A&M is one game better and $40 million cheaper? Yeah. I kind of have a hard time giving Kevin someone a lot of credit, though, for Johnny sure. Manziel. Sure. You know? Sure. <laughs> you no, know? I get that. But I'm just, I'm not, that, that's not giving someone credit. That's more showing that like, Jimbo Fisher is Kevin Sumlin lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's the, they're the but same. But what coach. I'm saying is if you give, if you give Jimbo Johnny Manziel, he'd probably win in a title. Maybe you know, yeah. <laughs> well, something someone couldn't do. Yeah, that's probably know? fair. That's probably fair. But but I'm not here to make you yeah. know be the devil's advocate in favor of Jimbo. Uh, it doesn't seem like his seat's hot yet. You know they got two losses at Miami and Alabama. Um, Anaya Smith is a game breaker at receiver and punt return and kick return for them. He's if also on one of the top team, five guys in NIL money in the country. Well, he should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know Ole Miss has got them on the horizon here in the next two or three games, uh, you've got to keep the ball away from Anaya Smith on special teams. He will win a game on special teams, like Deshaun Jackson. You know. Yeah. So the remaining schedule, they're at Tennessee this weekend. Then they have a bye week, and then they play South Carolina at home, 
at Ole Miss, State at home, Abilene Christian at home, and then at LSU. I mean, that Ole Miss game, Tennessee, Ole Miss, and LSU being three road games are probably going to – those are going to be tough games for them yeah. to win. And yeah. so you you have to go three and all those other games. Mississippi State, for whatever reason, we play our best game against A&M every year. Jimbo Fisher is actually only like – he's like three and four against State in his seven years there. Um, it's a game they'll probably win because it's at home, but that's not a guaranteed win. South Carolina's so hot and cold, you never know what's going to show up. I mean, the the path to another seven and five season is very much there. Yeah, and as an Ole Miss fan, all I'm looking for now is I'm not rooting for teams specifically, but I'm rooting for outcomes that benefit Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. And the way the SEC West looks now with LSU being down is I really need that Texas A&M game because I think there's a path if Ole Miss were to run the table, including upsetting Georgia, which I know is a big ask, especially sure. now that they've flexed their muscles. Yeah. But to say if you go 11-1, and one, then you're not going to make it to Atlanta because Alabama, we think, is going to make it to Atlanta. So what's your case for the top four seed? Because there is a case that can be made that say if uh, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Georgia all have a loss – and Ole Miss doesn't go to the SEC championship game, but, you know, the loser has two losses and knocks them out. What's the case for two SEC teams? It's yeah. been done before. There's a precedent. But for that to be done before, Ole Miss's case has got to be like, well, we've had big wins. And yeah. an A&M team that, go, that finishes 7-5 and five with a loss to Ole Miss is not a big win. Mm -mm. LSU has got a loss and uh, to Ole Miss. they got a loss to Florida State. And they're going to have a loss to Alabama. You know, that doesn't look as good of a win. So, you need resume wins. So, right now, this weekend, I'm rooting for Texas A&M yeah. for the duration, except for against Ole Miss, because I need that A&M win to look good. 100%. Like, the precedent is there. If this was next year when it's a 12-team playoff, then you're in. You're, you're in. in. Ole Miss is yeah. in with one loss. 10-2 SEC team is in every it, single Absolutely. Year. They will be one of those at-large teams. Like you said, you even have some wiggle room. You could lose again and be – like lose to, If right. your two losses are Alabama and Georgia, you're 100% one of the top 12 teams in the country. Right. And so, yeah, a lot of good football ahead. I think we'd be remiss not to at least mention – what is Mario yeah. Cristobal doing? Like it He's happens. An idiot. It happens all the time. He never kneels. Yeah. So Miami, <laughs> golly, not taking a knee with what was it? Twenty five seconds to go, and uh, Georgia Tech has no timeouts. Yeah. Is the most baffling thing I've ever seen. And one shame on Cristobal. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you're, it's arrogance of saying I'm not giving up. I'm going to run the ball. We still have opportunities to score, so we're going to score. I don't know if that is it's yeah. obviously something like that is his mindset. Shame on him for not making the call. Shame on the OC. Uh, if it was if it was Cristobal's call, the OC falling on his sword is shameful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the OC should have overruled it. Or Shame on the quarterback for saying, uh, hey, you know, getting the play call in, saying, no, that's stupid. I'm just going to take a knee. Uh, Van Dyke has been there long enough to where he can – nobody knows. Like, yeah. he's not going to be in the doghouse for taking a knee and winning the game, yeah. you know, for not running the play that's called. Just take a knee. The running back, when he's handed the ball, take a knee. Like, it, whoever touches the ball should have known they needed to take a knee there. It lands on Cristobal as it yeah, should. It's 100%. a Cristobal – it's a, something that Cristobal has done at every single stop he's been. He's done. He did it at Oregon. It cost him a loss against Stanford a few years back. Uh, I believe it was Dan Wolken put out a tweet that went through every game that Miami's won this year, and they've won 
you know, every game except this one. Mm-hmm. And in every single situation, including this one, they have never taken a knee. They run the ball. They run the clock out by running the ball every time. It's the dumbest thing. Yeah. And and not only to run the play, fumble, and then the defenders to let the receiver behind them twice is just that. That was the easiest touchdown pass of all time for Haynes King as the clock expired. Yeah. You got four defenders there, what and they're all play. chasing a receiver. <laughs> what a great play. It's not play. a great play. It no, was no, a by total the, lack of. Oh, by Georgia by the, Tech. And, like, because yeah. he rolls out, he's being chased. Like, there's a guy hot on his heels, and he just, like, Brett Favre, Johnny Manziel, gunslings that thing down. It was a total bust by Miami, but it was a great yeah. throw for the touchdown, for the win for Georgia Tech. And, like, like you said, like, it's one thing if you're up 30, but this was a one-possession game that you're running the football – when you take one knee, sure, you're surrendering, you're giving up, whatever. No, you're getting a win. If you take yeah. one knee, it's, it's, it's lights out. And Cristobal got to the press conference and tried to throw everybody under the bus, and the, the media there just wasn't taking it to the point where he was finally just like, fine, yeah, I guess you're right, I should have taken a knee. But not before he tried to throw his quarterback under the bus and the offensive coordinator under the bus. Just a terrible person. Yeah. It's, it screams of a lack of leadership, yep. accountability, he is just a a meathead. And it just goes to show you that college football coaches and college football players, but coaches in particular, are put on such a high pedestal for, for what they do and for coaching this team that we all care about. But they're all just a bunch of meatheads. Yeah. That's where they all start. Most of them never grow out of it and develop because they never, like, get out of a locker room for their whole life. And so they get there, and their mentality is just like, I'm just going to – score points and I'm going to beat them to the ground and I don't care what it looks like I'm not going to take any prisoners I'm not going to show any weakness it's just it's a flawed personality take and it shows that that football coaches are not that much different than the people that are playing Madden you know 100% like they've got the same character flaws they're no smarter than anybody else in fact a a normal person they're probably a little bit thicker skulled yeah, that, that wouldn't go for it on f- a fourth down at their own 20 or not take a knee at the end of a game. Right. Like, you make good decisions to win football games, but Mario Cristobal apparently is incapable. Whatever chemical in your brain, offense. it is. That athletic 100%. director, he would have fired him right then and there. Maybe not after the game itself, but then after he tried to blame everybody else yeah. for the decision, I'd have been like, no, nah, man, I'm not putting up with this. Pack your mm. bags, you're out. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're sure, you're 5-1 and one now, but – that one is ugly, and you blamed everybody but yourself. So take and, a hike, bub. And two years ago, when everybody wanted to do the lane to Miami thing, well, they hired their quote unquote number one option in Mario Cristobal. Um, there is no, don't ever talk to me again about Miami being a good job. No. They were 5 and 0. And Lane harps on Ole Miss's student section. He's griped ever since he got here until this year when we've had sellout after sellout and a huge big game environments and he has bragged on us this year but it's the first time that he's ever bragged on Ole Miss for showing up for games you think him and how much he cares about in-game experience and participation and packing seats and not leaving early if any coach that cares about that ever entertains the idea of going to Miami they're doing nothing more than receiving a paycheck 100% Miami it's a garbage college it's a garbage yeah. football program. They, they can't fill their stadium. No, you can absolutely. you can say there's money there, but money from donors is not the same as as fan participation and fan buying. It's not. It's not uh, the correlate. There's not a correlation there at Miami. 
I think it's we can all, officially say the U is dead. It's not. They the, it's are not dead. The same. They've been dead. They've been dead since Ken Dorsey left. Yeah, yeah. Since early two thousand, since you were still yeah. in diapers, they've been dead. So I was, I was ten years old in <laughs> in oh two. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wasn't wearing diapers. I wear right. them now, but not then. <laughs> That's probably fair. All right, let's get into our teams. I'll go with State first because I'm not going to beat a dead horse because I can sit here and just belabor the same thing. It is a dead horse, let me tell you. So, the offense has gotten better. I'll give him credit. Credit where credit's due. Will Rogers has stepped up and made good plays. He's looked better. We let Mike Wright throw the football a couple times this week. It was very, and I don't like, don't take this the wrong way. Let me explain myself. Very Tim Tebow esque. He's got this long windup, and it takes him forever to get rid of the okay. football. That's my. That's why I said, let me finish. That's why I said, let me finish. It's just this this looping wind up, and it's in in against an elite SEC defense. He might throw six picks. Um, yeah. He made good decisions. He ran the ball well, but Will Rogers stepped up. He had a good game. The offensive line was better, but still not great. Gave up entirely too many sacks to a MAC defense. But this defense is awful awful and i i i'm i you know i've been on this podcast and apologized in the past for where i was wrong and owned up and i'm apologizing to our listeners and our fans i was wrong about mississippi state's defense i thought returning seven starters would make us a better defense i thought i bought into the hype that matt brock taking over was going to run zach arnett's system and there would be continuation there there has been none this defense is so bad when you blitz seven against five especially against a Mac team, somebody needs to be hitting home. And we weren't breaking through. You know, Drew, it wasn't their starting quarterback. It wasn't their second string quarterback. We gave up 317 yards and 80% completion to a third string Mac quarterback who transferred in from Old Dominion. He played at ODU last year, transfers to Western Michigan, and then cooks Mississippi State. Our MO on offense so far, or on defense so far this year, is that we get cooked by their number one receiver. Like, whoever your best receiver is against Mississippi State has a strong chance of being your conference's player of the week. And this, we got cooked again. We gave up 413 yards to Western Michigan's offense. You heard it here first. Ole Miss might go for 1,000 in the Egg Bowl because this defense is trash. The secondary is so out of place. And, you know, I was, I was keeping up with it on Twitter and, and, and a couple more things before I get to that. Um, they didn't even have the NCAA rushing leader is at Western Michigan right now. He didn't play because of a hamstring injury. This is the fourth straight quarterback. Now, one of these is not like the other, right? It was, it was. Uh, let's see, it would have been Spencer Rattler, Jaden Daniels, Milrow, and now this quarterback from Western Michigan, four straight. Yeah. yeah. Well, first, fourth straight quarterback with an above 70% completion rate. It's an embarrassing time to be a fan of Mississippi State football, especially on the defensive side where even in the years where we're bad and cannot score points, our defense has always been serviceable. It's always been physical. It's always been a game that you dread playing because you're going to get hit in the mouth. You're going to you make you're probably going to get a win, but you're going to you're going to feel it. Ornette has to take over this defense. We've got six games left, and he has got to coach like his career depends on it because it does. Like we talked about last year, his seat is very hot because the athletic director who's there now, Zach Selman, did not make this hire. He has been tasked with improving what is a bad 
football team, a bad football program right now, and just the whole experience, game day experience. I could go on a whole tirade about this, and maybe I'll There's save it for next week. There's nothing worse than rooting There's, for a bad team. And, and, and especially when – like, you look at Ole Miss, and here oh, here we go, another compliment for Ole Miss, two weeks in a row. I'm getting soft in my old age. But that game day experience against Arkansas was incredible. That LED yeah. light show, incredible. Yeah. The, the drones, did you see the incredible, drones? Incredible, incredible. Yeah. And the other thing Ole Miss does is, and every other friggin' program in the country, is very much fan-centered in their game day experience. There is music, there is games, there's the light show, there's the drones that keep fan engagement. Mississippi State is too worried about being now as our sponsor of the Mississippi Beef Council. Or... You know, that's funny you mentioned that because it was one of my biggest beefs, and it was it started when Lane got to Ole Miss, uh, the turnaround. Mm-hmm. But Ole Miss was the same way. Everybody <sighs> was – it's all about fan interaction and, you know, short attention span for younger <laughs> fans. It's, you know, you know Gen, Gen Z people or, you know, old people gripping, you know. But it was like everything that Ole Miss did was catering to the old, you know – for the first time out in the second quarter, every every week they would bring their M Club Hall of Fame inductee down there, and everybody meet the biggest donor yes. and, and the faculty star crap. of the year. The next yes. one, it was it was an absolute bore mm-hmm. for every single time out, and everybody's like, "Fine, I'll go get a beer, I'll go get some nachos, whatever," and then we'll come back. And then there's nothing. The atmosphere. If the game sucks, the atmosphere's got to be good. But if the team is good, it's even more important that the atmosphere be good because you 100%. look at what Ole Miss put out. I've never seen anything like it at Ole Miss. As an Ole Miss fan and a season ticket holder for 10 years uh, up till you know, a few years back, uh, I've never seen an atmosphere like that. It was a party. It felt like a, you know, a Grizzlies game where in the timeouts, you know, you got Grizz getting up and leading chance or you've got, you know, it's always something. Games, prizes. You yeah. Know, Lane to, Kiffin has done a great job of capturing this, like, come to the SIP thing and making it a party. And that's what it right. is. It's a party atmosphere. At Mississippi State, it's a snooze fest. It feels like you're sitting in, like, an Edward Jones office, and you just happen right. to be watching football on TV. You're, like, you're getting your taxes done. That's it. Like, you're <laughs> sitting with your CPA. He's punching on the computer, and you're looking over to the left watching football on TV. Like, it's the most right. boring thing. And that's got to be Zach Selman's, like – Priority number one is fixing the football coach because I just don't think Zach Arnett's it, man. I, especially if we finish with four wins. If our only two remaining wins, let's say we beat um, – so we're three and three. We beat Southern Miss. We we go 0-8 in SEC play. He's yeah. gone. Six and six might save his job. Seven wins, I think. I think seven I wins is a threshold. Wins. I see five wins. And next I, week's game against Arkansas being the, the – We'll get to that here. In a, you know, but, we'll get to that here in a minute. But like, I think you've got like seven wins as a threshold to keep your job. If you win five or six games, I think it's over because Selma didn't hire you. And and this is why because Brian Haydad from the Thunder and Lightning podcast, he's on Super Talk Mississippi. Right. Uh, one of their personalities tweeted out in the second half: "State is just bad defensively. There's no getting around that fact. Can't stop anybody." Somebody responded, is it scheme or talent? I just don't think Matt Brock is the guy. And former Mississippi State Bulldog, last year NFL draft pick, who's currently a starter for the Seattle Seahawks and Cameron Young at defensive tackle, he put it in perfect perspective. It's mentality. The scheme is meant for players to play fast and aggressive. We're not doing that. We just have to get back to upholding that standard collectively. We lost seven from the defense last year. Cannot be an excuse anymore. Like, you just have to yeah. play tough. Like, there's no toughness. There's no passion. It's a direct 
reflection of Zach Arnett. Because it is. Every if you're time talking we, about effort, it's Oh, coming. my gosh. Yeah, because, like, every – like, last year he was this fiery, just jerk, just like – He was a defensive coordinator. He was a defensive that's coordinator. That's what they are. That's exactly <laughs> right. They're second to the street coach of being fiery, right? And, like, now, like, anytime we get, a, like, a commitment or a recruit signs, him and the football program tweet out that gift of him just getting all excited and fired up. Where is that? He is right. so coach speak now that it feels like a parody. It feels like it he's is. a parody. He, That's coaches, though. No, no, coach no. Like that, no, 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 no. There are like Nick's, like, again, I'll go back to this. Nick Saban was blistering his his coaches on the sideline, crawling all over his players. Zach Arnett is standing there with the mic flipped up on his headset, arms folded, watching the game of a Jumbotron, mumbling to himself. He ain't coaching nobody. Right. He ain't doing nothing. Like, there's no passion, there's no fire, there's no grit. And the team is showing that, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Now, I understand as the head coach and the representative of the program, he's being the CEO, you have to have some some reserve. You can't be that big fiery guy like you were. But you gotta have something. And he has swung so hard the other way that the defense is reflecting that one hundred percent. Yeah. It's almost it, it's the perfect example of you take somebody out of the role that they're meant to be. Yeah. And you you know, you took the defensive coordinator away from the defense and gave him a bigger responsibility, but because you took him away from what he's good at, both things suffer. Right. Uh and you're right. And it's the thing I didn't I haven't wa- I didn't watch the state game this week. I watched a little bit of the Alabama game. Uh I'm not I can't be a good judge of effort. You know, when it comes, they all look like they're Take running fast to me. Take my word for it. You know? It's not there. Uh, but if you're talking about possibly getting to six wins or possibly even, you know, miracle scenario getting to seven wins, you're not winning any game if you're not putting forth an effort. Right. You know, it's yeah. just it's not in the cards for you to upset anybody. The spunky team that, that bites off, you know, one of these teams that they're favored against, you know, like Louisville and Notre Dame, like, you know, Louisville's not supposed to beat Notre Dame, or you know, even in bigger scenarios, you know, where you've seen Syracuse beat Clemson in the past. And, you know, these situations, Syracuse team isn't good, but right. they care. Yeah, you can't upset anybody if you don't care. And it's a direct reflection of Zach Arnett. But, and I'll get to my coaching. Well, I'll do my coaching hot board first. I, I again, I don't know anything outside of seven wins. I don't think he keeps his job. Well, let me ask you this before you do that. Because it leads into it. Uh, given the state of, you know, in the NBA now, it's or the NFL, anytime there's a draft, any professional sport with a draft, it's the worst thing to be is okay. Mm. So are you to the point with Arnett now where almost six and six is the worst because that gives you another year of Arnett? Or yes. are you ready to just blow it up? Let's go three and three and nine and let's get him out of there if Ensure do let's do whatever it takes necessary to throw this game this year away and throw him away with it. Yes. Are you there I, yet? I think I am. Just because like we're not regressing. that you root for losses, no. but you know that it's not the worst outcome in the world. I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna wear my Mississippi State shirt, I'm gonna root for Mississippi State hard every game of the rest of the season. That's part it, of rooting for state though, is rooting for long term success too. You know? <sighs> 
especially like you know what today today is the nine year anniversary to the day of when State beat Auburn to become the first ever number one college football playoff ranked team right. today. I was there, and that atmosphere, I, I, I put on Instagram today, like that was the greatest atmosphere of a, a yeah. sporting event I've ever been at. It was electric, like complete strangers were giving me beers and hugging me and crying, and it was just right. an incredible experience. And then fast forward to today, and it's just a dud. And yes, Drew, like you're absolutely right. Like I'm to the point where I love Zach Arnett and what he did for our defense, what he's done for our program. It's time. It's time to go. And here's the coaches that you call and make you t- make t- make them tell you no before you start looking elsewhere. Right. Jeff Brom is the name that I, that I would call. He's not leaving Louisville. I didn't say he would. I'm saying these are the people that you call and make you say and make them say no. Okay. Jeff Brom is one of them. Willie Fritz is another. Willie Fritz is obtainable. I think. I think Willie I, Fritz would come. I think that would be a home run hire for Mississippi. State. I agree. He That's why he's number like two on my list. Smaller school. <laughs> And I'm I thinking think he could of do well at Mississippi State. I'm thinking of tough nosed coaches that's gonna instill like some fire. Jeff Brom, Willie Fritz. Yeah. Um, I think you call again, these are people you call. I think you call Cliff Kingsbury. He's in that leech tree. There's some yeah. opportunity he, there. You he's call making him. too much money, NFL money right now. But you call him. Yeah. I think Ryan Silverfield is a name you call at Memphis. Really? I think it's somebody that you call. I don't know that like he would be yeah. near the top of my list, but maybe. Mike Elko at Duke is another one that I would call. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like Garrett Riley at the OC at Clemson. Ryan Grubb, the OC at Washington. He, they've been really good this year. That's what I'm saying. Until and this then, week. <laughs> they got yeah. trounced this week. <laughs> then the last two names, one of them is Charles Huff from Marshall. He's got some like southeast ties. He's a guy that could come in. He's doing good things at Marshall, and, and he's got some offensive mind to him. But a name that keeps coming up on Twitter, and I don't know how I feel about this. It's very mixed. Like It feels like you're going back to the girl that stood you up at prom. Dan Mullen's name keeps coming up, and I just don't – like he was the most successful coach, and like I just don't see that going well. I really don't see a, like a, a second tour going as well as the first. Here's my thing with Mullen. Mullen wanted out. Mm-hmm. He wanted to get out of Starville. But sure. At that point, he was pursuing bigger jobs. He, he, he wanted out of Starville because he had he had reached in his pinnacle. mind. He had reached the pinnacle. I mean, he went ten and two at, at Mississippi State. You're not doing any better than that. No. So get out while you can. Get out while the iron's hot. The problem with with Mullen too is that he's been there. He knows what the ceiling is. I don't know that he wants to do it again. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of got a cushy job right now. On ESPN, Two, as a yeah. Miss, if you're a Mississippi State fan, if you look at Mullen critically, you say if you take away Tim Tebow, Alex Smith, and Dak Prescott, what is Dan Mullen? He did. He won nine games with Nick Fitzgerald. Fair. <laughs> Fair. But also, he but had Will Greer, and they couldn't do anything in Florida. That was an elite defense, too. That know? was an elite defense. Yeah. Jeff Simmons was walking around with that dog chain. Yeah, yeah. that <laughs> was an elite people. defense. It was uh, one of the best defenses Mississippi State's ever had. But your point stands, like, without an elite-level quarterback, and maybe he can go get that. Maybe he can go recruit that. that's the case with most coaches anyway. Sure. And the thing with Mullen, too, is, and the thing with Mississippi State, and this will be an off-season conversation if they do make a move, the thing with Mississippi State is you cannot think about old heads anymore. Mm-hmm. Guys like Dan Mullen, uh, they they become dinosaurs quicker. The longer, the older they are, and the longer they're out of the profession, the more they turn into dinosaurs. And it's happened quicker and quicker with NIL 
and yeah. every state's coming out with NIL their own NIL legislation. They, I mean, it it is hard to keep up. And for Mississippi State, you've got to find a guy that is invested in NIL. And not only that, the problem with getting a guy that is willing to deep dig in the transfer portal is people get in the transfer portal for two reasons: playing time and money. Yep. And not. And not in that order. No. And Mississippi State has zero NIL money. They are by far 13th in the SEC when it comes to NIL money. Uh, you'd be surprised. Those pockets are deeper than what uh, we've been giving out. You can't see it. But, you yeah, can't see it. Again, the, the the money is there. We're just not using it appropriate. I think Zach Selman, this is his first year as our AD. He had a but, you know, big-time job. This is a fact-finding season. And I think I we're going to see, see a lot of – my point with NIL is you don't see them mark. I don't see Mississippi State market their NIL. I see Ole Miss. Ole Miss has just signed a deal with Barstool to sell brick watches to fund their NIL. They're, that, no, they're not getting creative that's with, such it, a, that, with it at all. I was, listen, I was listening about that today. That is such a – that's just a that's a that's what's his name Mitzi or whatever his name is. That's just like a fraud thing with them, and that's all it is because like it's not a fraud. It's legitimate gonna, money. Nobody's gonna but, buy those but, watches, but it's, man. It's maybe not, but it's. It's forward thinking and finding ways to fundraise other than talking to your old boosters. You've got to come up with better ways to do it. So the Bulldog Initiative is taking strides in that. There are businesses that are buying in. But there, you can't say that they don't need to do – they've got to set no, no. their game up. I, no, no, you, they've I absolutely Everybody, got to Absolutely. I'm not up. saying that they can't. I'm saying they're taking strides to do that. We're playing in the Barstool Classic. Like, we're doing things to get our name out there. We're the reigning Barstool Classic champs in basketball. Like, we're doing things to get our name out there. It's just like we're get we're slow to the process because we have old heads. Zach Selman is a yeah. very young, forward-thinking AD. I think we get like again. That's why you call these guys bad, like Willie so. Fritz. That's why you call these Cliff Kingsbury guys and say, "Hey, listen, we we could be on the cusp of creating something great here. Come help us with that." I, I don't know that you get them, but you make those calls. I just and, I'm, as a state fan, I'd be worried that the network isn't there to, for an influx of money. You know, you'd be, again, uh, you'd be surprised. Again, Ole Miss was crowdsourced. If 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 fans want to donate and and really build their war chest that way, uh, great for them. But and uh, that that brick watch thing may not turn out to be anything. May you know they may sell a hundred watches. You know, and in the grand scheme of things, that's nothing. However, it's just getting Dave Portnoy to talk about it increases your following, and increases I- your credibility. <laughs> And I think you some know, of that is where, where and its image matters. Yeah, image and I, matters as much as money. You know, I, you got I to be able to see, be seen as valid. Some of know? that is is very much because Brandon Walker is such a big voice, big personality. Barstool. Oh, a lot of this is just a shot it's at just Walker. it's just shots at Brandon Walker. That's <laughs> all a lot of this is. Oh, no so, doubt at all that Portnoy is doing this in part to make Brandon Walker skin crawl. A hundred percent, and then and and so that Which works against us. If I had two thousand dollars, I'd buy a watch to <laughs> see Brandon Walker skin crawl. And so that works against <laughs> us, and that our big troll is getting trolled by Barstool. But yeah. the last thing I'll say about Mississippi State is, take heart, Mississippi State fans. We've looked awful. I mean, we have. We got beat up against Western Michigan. We had three guys in a boot, including our kicker Woody Marks. Um, and then we had Will Rod and uh, Jeffrey Pittman in a boot. Had Will Rogers going off with a limp arm. But we He's got a. Got a he has got a. Uh, what was it? Um, was it AC sprain? Uh, uh, so there's a lot of rumors flying around. I've heard. Here. I've heard though. I've heard for real what it is. I've got to plug in with them, um, with him in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? 
dislocated non-throwing shoulder. So he might um, he'll probably be limited during the bye week, and then there's a good chance he plays against Arkansas because that. Uh, first let time, me ask you this then: uh, Mississippi State fans have been booing him. They've been chanting, "We want Mike." So, is this or now that he's gotten hurt? Mm-hmm. Do you want them to give him Mike Wright? Does Mike Wright? Do you want Mike Wright to start against Arkansas in two weeks? Mike Wright is like the answer is not fully handed the reins over to Mike Wright. That's not the. I don't answer. think there is an answer. But what's the most plausible? I mean, at this point, you're shooting for. You know, you're rolling dice. I, I, I mean, still think hoping. it becomes more of a two quarterback system. I think you let Mike Wright throw it. If you've got two quarterbacks, more. you don't have one. Right. That's, yeah. I, I know, but I don't think that that's the right move just yet. Watching Mike Wright against Western Michigan, I don't know that it's the right move. I mean, he was a Vanderbilt transfer, and right. and his, you know, he went to Mississippi State. He didn't go to, you know, Alabama. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, Alabama needs a quarterback. If he was legit, yeah. you know. But here's what I'll say. Take heart, Mississippi State fans. We're exactly where we thought we'd be. We're three and three at the bye week. Like I've got my preseason predictions right here. Uh, Southeastern Louisiana win. Arizona win. LSU lost. South Carolina lost. Alabama lost. Western Michigan win. It's exactly what I thought we'd be. Now, the on-field product has not been as good as I thought it would. It has <laughs> not looked. You're where good. you thought you were. It just hadn't been as pretty. As you exactly. Thought it might be. <laughs> it's an ugly three and three. I don't know if there's a pretty three and three, but it's an ugly three and three. Well, in those preseason predictions, you were like, "We're going to give LSU a run for our money." We always play Alabama good, and we did. We played <laughs> Alabama good for two point nine quarters. Yeah. Um, but and here's the thing, I'll say like. There are still very winnable games ahead of ahead of us, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, we've is. got Arkansas. We can beat Arkansas. We play at Auburn. The reality is, we'll probably go one and one in those games, Arkansas and Auburn. If you go two and zero, oh, that's pie in the sky. But I think like there's no way you can tell me that Arkansas is a better team than us. We're both bad football oh, no, teams. I don't. And I so don't. I think we win that uh, football. We win but that game. I don't game. think I can't say that Mississippi State's better than Arkansas either. That, They're both I, crap. I said we're both bad football teams. They're both teams. crap. Yeah. But I think we can beat. I think we beat Arkansas. Auburn is a crapshoot, like you said. Hugh Freeze is going to be gunning for us. May or may not, you know, probably has, he probably has this game circled. May or may not. That's a game that we can win because Auburn is a bad football team. Kentucky's been exposed as a fraud. And like I said, in the last 10 games, the home team has won that game. And streaks like that, for whatever yeah. reason, they matter in college football. So that's a winnable game. You lose to AM, you beat Southern Miss. That's seven, eight. I mean, eight wins is still like, I think our ceiling is now to seven wins. Okay. There's a path to eight wins if you get it figured out in the bye week. I'm not saying do not hear it. I, I see you look. Middle of the road. What do you think uh, if you're looking at um, what ESPN would say? If you if you calculated it, what do you think most likely outcome on this season is? And that's the thing. I don't put any stock in ESPN and these uh, guys don't, because don't no, hear, hear me. what I'm not saying. No, yeah, hear me. Hear me. Let me let me say this, then I'll get I'll I'll circle back. Every year, old men or ESPN and the pundits pick Mississippi State to win three ball games. Every right. single year, except for 2014 and 2015, every single year. So it's one of those things you pick it enough, you're going to be right. And so I don't okay. know that these people saw more than we did, than I did, that other people that that prognosticate about Mississippi State, they just got it right because they okay, say I it don't every care year. what ESPN says. I'm about getting you. back I'm, around I'm to asking it. For your, I'm getting back around opinion. to it. I yeah. think that they will. They say we'll beat Arkansas, we'll beat Southern Miss, and that's it. So three, uh, five and seven, which five you and think seven. is the most likely yes. outcome. I agree with that. Uh, with, you know, I think that There's, if you look down your schedule, I think if Arkansas is smart and if Sam Pittman 
is truly feels like he's on the hot seat and coaching for his job, which I think there's two coaches that are absolutely on the hot seat this year, and it is Sam Pittman and it's Zach Arnett. Yeah. Uh, if Sam Pittman is truly on the hot seat, he plays Alabama game as vanilla as possible, and he throws the absolute kitchen sink at Mississippi State because he, he knows win that's the, the games, one you game win. he can. He's on a he will be on a five game losing streak by the time Mississippi State strolls into town. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll preview the Arkansas Mississippi State game next week, and I'm about to talk about Arkansas when we talk about the Ole Miss Arkansas game this week. They ain't. I think if they get. There. I think if they get blown out by Alabama, they pack it in. I really do. I think if they get blown out like they – I mean, they're a 20-point dog, and if they get blown out by Alabama, blown out. They I think there's a, there's a real situation where they pack it in for the year. I think if they get beat by Mississippi State, it's over. Well, yeah. That's when they'll lose out. I don't think that – they go into that game. It, that's not a letdown experience for, for Arkansas. Losing by 40 to Alabama, that's expected at this point. Yeah, It's not the loss that's going to cause you to quit – as much as a loss at home to Mississippi State would. Yeah, but I, the last would thing get I'll say one last time. The there last thing is. I'll say about it is. Yeah, here it is. yeah, 100%. <laughs> the eye, the eye white. The last thing I'll say about Mississippi State, and I'll shut up and let's talk about Ole Miss. There is an absolute miracle, less than 2% chance of 8 and 4. The more likely scenario is 5 and 7, 6 and 6. I think 7 and 4 is the ceiling, and there's a real path to that. You know, we're. Three and three, you beat Arkansas, you beat Auburn, you beat Kentucky, you beat Southern Miss. That's seven wins right there, and those are all winnable games. It's a three-game winning streak, which, again, the offense has shown growth. The defense will have to show a ton of growth to do that. But I think seven wins is the minimum wins that, like I said, that Zach Garnett has to get to keep his job. So part of me, like you said earlier, kind of hopes that we end up more in the five and seven range just so we can get it. I don't know that I say I hope that, but like if that happens and Zach Arnett is no longer a head coach next year, I will be less disappointed, I think, than I would have been in years past. You will not be looking forward to the Mississippi State football season next year if you finish six and six and Zach Arnett says, listen, the bowl streak's still alive. Uh, I took over short term because our coach died, if you forgot. I did the best I could. Give me another year. And they roll with Arnett again. A six and six, uh, Liberty Bowl gets you to either seven and six or six and seven, and you get Zach Arnett again. That'll be like a seat or like a record low season ticket sales. Yeah, because uh, it'll just no life at all. Because we're losing so much next year, and unless he works at transfer portal, this like I've been saying all year, this is our up. This was supposed to be our upswing year. We're going to graduate a ton of people, and it's just going to be. Right. It's, we're it's a be, perfect scenario for yeah. a coach to come in and say, listen, yeah. empty, you know, fill it up how you see fit. We're bare. Yeah, you know? because there will be – but there will have to be staff changes. If yeah. Zach Arnett is the head coach next year, Matt Brock will not be the defensive coordinator next year. We wanted him fired when he was a special teams coach two years ago. We want him fired now as the D.C. Hail State, enjoy the bye week. Mississippi State football and I are taking a break in our relationship for one week, and it's much needed. I think we'll come back in better terms against Arkansas. We're taking a much-needed break. Yeah. I, uh, I'll talk about Ole Miss then. Um, so Ole Miss had, you know, you like to bring up a lot that Arkansas games always get squirrely. And historically, if there is a squirrely game, it's Arkansas. What we saw this week, it was a seven-point Ole Miss win. It was a game that I never felt was in doubt, truly in doubt. Uh, K.J. Jefferson had a good game. Ole Miss defense played good. Uh, it was a game in which 
you need this bye week. Jackson Dart got banged up. You could tell he wasn't 100% himself. Um, Trey Harris got hurt again. There's just injuries that have kind of stacked up in that Arkansas game that re- that resulted in a closer game than what I predicted. You know, I said 14-20. to 20. Ended up being seven. Uh, and Arkansas ha- was driving in the fourth quarter to tie it with the possibility of tying it. Uh, but it didn't happen that way. Um, Arkansas's bad. You know, I know this was a seven-point win for Ole Miss, and it wasn't necessarily pretty for Ole Miss this year. I mean, this week, um, I chalked that up a lot to injuries. It's just a down game. The environment was great. Arkansas did enough to keep it close, but that offensive line is pathetic at Arkansas. Uh, If Mississippi State's looking at ways to attack Arkansas, you almost have to go back – Running the ball, I mean, because uh, we need Woody Marks to be healthy. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. It, it lines up well with with Mississippi State. You look at Sam Pittman as a career offensive line coach. He goes and takes a head coaching job. So you would think the offensive line at Arkansas would be incredible. They're not. They're horrible. And he's just divided his time. Arkansas started a whole new offensive line. They they moved positions for three different three of the five offensive line positions had different starters I mean they were the same starters they were just in different positions than the week before and they were playing so poorly in the first half they switched back to the original starting five offensive linemen from the week before they just scrapped it uh they were really bad at the offensive line KJ Jefferson was always getting hit and Ole Miss is not a pass rush that your test that you're really going to go into being scared of You've got some guys, but you've got to bring odd number blitzes to really get home if you're Ole Miss historically or this year. And they were getting home with three and four consistently against K.J. Jefferson and that offensive line, and it was just not good. K.J. Jefferson had a good game. He was able to sit back in the pocket and, to his credit, threw the ball better than what I thought he would. And he had to because Rocket Sanders is not healthy. He's He's not not. been healthy for weeks, and he looks so slow and banged up against Ole Miss. He's not healthy, uh, and KJ is—he's going to give out late in the season like he always does. Uh, he didn't take off and run just a whole lot against Ole Miss. He—I don't he, know that he's healthy either. Yeah, and he never is. This, you know, as they go down the the back stretch of the season, uh, he's always unhealthy. But uh, it's just it—they didn't look good. I think. Next week against Mississippi State, they're going to throw the sink at them. I think they're good enough to beat State. Uh, I don't. I think State's good enough to beat Arkansas. It's just weird. I just trust Arkansas's offense against Mississippi State's defense a lot better than I trust Mississippi State's offense against, against Arkansas's defense. But that's the next week conversation. Yeah, I've got some thoughts on that. But I mean, you're yeah. you're you're right. Arkansas looks banged up, and their defense couldn't stop a nosebleed right now for anything. Yeah. So, Ole Miss in that game, uh, Jackson Dart, uh, 16 of 25, 153, and a touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, Ulysses Bentley has been a spark plug again. He is so slippery. I don't know if you've watched any of that game. or uh, He has broken several runs for long touchdowns this year when he's spelling Quinshawn Jenkins in the backfield. The first guy never gets him down. He feels like a lot like Quinshawn last year where I think Quinshawn put on some weight or put on a lot of muscle in the offseason. He's just not as spry or as agile, and he doesn't have that top end speed. He broke loose against Arkansas, and 
he rushed for 35, 40 yards and was caught from behind. And last year, that was a 75-yard run every single time to the mm-hmm. end zone. Nobody was catching him. He just doesn't have that burst. But Ulysses Bentley <laughs> does. Ulysses Bentley has been absolutely incredible. He had a, a 13 carries for 94 yards, a 7.2-yard average, a 32-yard touchdown. Uh, Judkins was 18 for 65, a three-and-a-half-yard average, did have one touchdown. Ole Miss just didn't have their best game. Uh, it's a game that you survived, and in the past, it's part of it. Just adds to what I was saying last week, where this team has got character a little bit. You know, last year this team folded against in games against Arkansas, close games late where things weren't going your way. Your quarterback wasn't a hundred percent. You know, there's there's a recipe there for you to to fold to to say, well, we'll just save it for another day. They really bow up, and when it matters, make the key stop. Uh, KJ, like I said, he had a good game. He threw the ball 39 times, uh, 25 of 39 for 252 touchdowns, two brutal interceptions. Uh, When they were driving late, and he threw it right to a linebacker, it it was like it was designed to be thrown to the Ole Miss linebacker. It's just uh, just a play that can't be made, but it's a sign of what a quarterback play looks like when they can't sit in the pocket comfortably without getting hit constantly. You start seeing stuff. You start taking more risk. You know, you just can't sit back in the pocket. Uh, but Ole Miss weathered a storm. I don't have a lot to add for Ole Miss this week. It was a it was a team win. It was a a gutsy win against a team that seemingly has your number. You know, going into this game, in the last 10 years, Ole Miss has lost six of the games to Arkansas, and in many of, most of those games, they've been favored. Uh, but you've lost six of 10 to Arkansas. They come to your place. You win 27-20. You win ugly. You win by, you know, you really – multiple times in that game, it could have gotten squirrely, but you did enough to stay in control the whole game. Uh, and it was just a good team win. It's the kind of win you can – you can build upon like if you can say now that you've played a poor game and still won an SEC game. And an SEC game counts the same as any other SEC game. They're all hard to win, even against teams like Arkansas. Arkansas's lost four straight games now. They're gonna lose five their fifth straight against Alabama this week. Um it's just it was a good, gutsy team win. The atmosphere like we've talked about was incredible. Uh, I haven't gotten tired of seeing the clips yet of the LED light shows and the the drones. And, I mean, it was just – it looked like a party in the sip, if I'm being honest. You know, 100%. Ole Miss's brand, I've always hated the shtick uh, – when I've talked about it on this podcast, I've always hated the we've never lost the party because it was such an excuse for – it was like a way of coping with saying, well, you know, we've never lost a party, but we did lose the game. You know, you only say that after you suck at something right. that I care about. Well – you know, we may have lost, but we never lost a party. I hate it. But it really felt like a party, and it felt like a college atmosphere that that is what college football is all about. And to get up for a game against Arkansas, where last week you had the big environment against LSU, and to duplicate it the next week against Arkansas, who was down. Uh, you beat good teams, beat teams that they're better than. Right. You know, and – they beat them. They won ugly. Uh, down the stretch, Ole Miss is looking at a bye week this week. And then you go at Auburn, which is going to be tricky. Ole Miss historically doesn't win 
at Auburn very often. You've got another bye week with Vanderbilt coming to your house. And then the most crucial game on your schedule, if you are going to have these aspirations, if you want to go 10-2, and two, uh, if you want to go 11 and 1, obviously you got to if you want to go 11 and 1, you got to win all out. But if you're going to go 10 and 2, you've got to beat all I mean you've got to beat Texas A&M at home at your place on November the 4th. It's a huge game. Uh that's what you're looking at. That's game circled, but you cannot discount Auburn on the road. It's a 6 p.m. night game at at Auburn at War Memorial. I mean uh um not War Memorial. I'm getting War Eagle. Uh, what's the Auburn Stadium? Jordan the Hare. Plains in Auburn. Jordan, Jordan Hare. Hare. Yeah, on the Plains in Auburn. You cannot uh, overlook them. But for the next, you know, you're everybody will be listening to this either late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning. You got a week and a half here to where you just really need to, for at least a week, just need to lay up and get healthy. That's priority number one. Uh, thoughts and prayers, Caden. Uh, Caden Prescorn, who has been absolutely great for Ole Miss in third downs. He's, he is exactly what we've needed in the run game and on third downs that we were missing late earlier in the year. Uh, his dad tragically passed away yesterday, and so he's away from the team for him a little bit. Um, for injuries, for that, for everything else, team-related, uh, the bye week could not come in a better spot. And I know a few years back, Ole Miss had their bye week like week nine, and by the time you got there, you were limping so bad that it did. you were losing games because of it. This is a perfect time for a bye week, right in the middle of your SEC schedule, uh, right after leading up to a big road game. So you've got a big road game at Auburn, and then you can prepare for Texas A&M during Vanderbilt. If you're being honest, I mean, I know Vanderbilt snuck up on Ole Miss in the past, but this ain't that Vanderbilt this team. This ain't that Vanderbilt team. <laughs> and so you can, you can rest up, you know, get – you know, scribble some notes during the Vanderbilt week on your Texas A&M matchup the next week when they come to come to Oxford, yeah. uh, where everything will be on the line at that game. Yeah, not a ton to add. You kind of nailed it, man. It was an ugly win. It was a gritty win, but a win is a win. At this point in the season, right before a bye week, like you said, you go into the bye week, you don't have – this week should be very minimal contact practice. You just recover. Spend a lot of time in the training room. You just get healthy. And then you start prepping You know, later this week for Auburn and get ready for that game. Um, Ole Miss was gritty. They found a way to win. We've talked about the atmosphere. We've talked about the you know Jackson Dart stepping up, making some big plays when they mattered. Ole Miss's defense stepped up, made plays when it mattered. And it was a good gritty win in what is a, a – like you said earlier, that's a game you, that you have struggled with over the last 10 years to step up and find a way to win because as bad as Arkansas is, that game was in the mud. And when you're in the mud with a bad football right. team, that's when you get beat. And, you know, credit to Ole Miss for stepping up and, and, and winning a game that they very easily could have lost simply because it was in the mud with a bad football team. So Right. So good character win, good, good win to get up there to say that you can win ugly if you need yep. to. It doesn't have to be – you know, you don't have to win 55-49. Yeah. You know, you can win these games that are 27-20 where you're not playing your best. Exactly. So, we'll wrap up week six giving our college football p- uh, playoff picks before we do our picks against the spread for next week and then wrap up with some fantasy football talk. So, my top four, not a lot of change this week. Uh, one team is back and one team makes their first appearance this year as they were finally impressive to me. Number one is Florida State. Until they get beat, um, they beat Virginia Tech like a drum this past weekend to stay number one. 
Number two for me is Oregon. They got a big test coming up this week playing at Washington. But, again, until they get beat, I, they're the second-best team I've seen this year because they score punch, uh, points by the bunches. Shout-out to poor Puddles. Um, yeah, number three is Puddles. Michigan. Michigan struggled this week, man. They gave up double digits for the first time all year. <laughs> they, they gave up ten points. <laughs> they won 52-10 to 10 over Minnesota, sparking uh, P.J. Fleck after the game to say – that's the best football team I've ever coached against. Michigan looks right. strong. They look good. That defense is nasty. Uh, J.J. McCarthy's playing good football. Michigan's number three. And, again, in weeks past, number four has been that team that has impressed me the most, maybe not a team that's going to make the college football playoff. This week it's different. The Georgia Bulldogs are my number four team. They run up, over, through, around, all over Kentucky. We, talk, we, we talked about it. They hadn't looked dominant and flexed their muscles, and they more than made up for it by hanging a 51-burger on Kentucky, beating them 51-13. Georgia Bulldogs are my number 14. Yeah, we followed a lot of the same trends here. So uh, number four for me is uh, um, uh, Oklahoma. Mm. Uh I've talked about Jeff Levy's offense on here. Dylan Gabriel's been really good. They have not been tested until this week, and they passed the test. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's clutch. Uh, they did just enough to win. Their defense has been opportunistic more than it's been great. You know, some of the great defenses are not necessarily – don't look at, at yards per game, but look at turnovers. Look at, you know, when it matters. Tackles for loss, sacks, like big plays like that. Yeah, they've been very opportunistic with turnovers. Uh, They've been really good. Oklahoma's number four for me. Um, Number three is uh, Georgia. I was leaning the same way. They haven't been in mine either because they haven't played anybody. And when they have played somebody, it hasn't been very convincing. Uh, I picked Kentucky last week because I just thought that Georgia's just not ready for – you know, to blow anybody out yet. Uh, they proved me wrong. Like you said, 51-13 against Kentucky was very impressive. Uh, you know, it's not that a win against Kentucky is impressive in itself, but 51-13 is very impressive. And it wasn't fi- close from the start. Yeah. they. It was 21 nothing from the start, like <laughs> yeah, early. Before they and, knew it hit them. Uh, Carson Beck looks like he's kind of falling into form a little bit. You know, he's a – He's a young guy who's who needed some reps to get right, and it seems like he's getting right enough to lead this team that's stacked on defense just like they are all the time. And it doesn't hurt uh, to throw it to Brock Bowers. Yeah, Brock Bowers is the best pass catcher in football. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Georgia finally cracks my top four, my Mount Rushmore, because they finally beat somebody like Colt. Uh, number two is Florida State for me. Uh, they've dropped one, and it has nothing to do with Florida State. Uh, the recency buys, you know, the win against LSU that we were so hot and heavy about in week one, that's turned out to not be that great. I mean, it was a great win. It's still a good win, but it's not what it was, mm-hmm. and it's not enough to to keep Michigan from being behind them. Michigan, like you said, won a close one. Uh, <laughs> it was the first time this year they have gave up double-digit points. And they only gave up 10, 52 to 10. They're going to set a record this year for point differential. I can't can't do the math right now uh, on point differential, but it's insane. 
in a points per game differential. Well, and it doesn't They've hurt that their the schedule has been so. I mean, I gotta, I gotta hear. And I'll, it doesn't get any better. No. I mean, uh-uh. they've, they've, so so far they've won East Carolina at home, UNLV at home, Bowling Green at home, Bowling Green who beat Georgia Tech, who yeah. beat Miami. Yeah. So, uh, uh, beat Bowling Green at home, beat Rutgers, a spunky Rutgers. Team. Sure. Uh, a crap Nebraska team on the road and a Minnesota team on the road. So they're uh, uh, going into then, the Minnesota yeah, game. The combined records of the teams they've beaten is 18 and 26. Just not yeah, good football teams. I, I, get, I get that. But like I said, good teams win. Great teams beat the crap out of people. <laughs> and that's what you want to see when you're yeah. playing crap teams. Yeah. You know, uh, the schedule does not get any harder. They've no. got Indiana. Michigan State, who's a dumpster fire. Purdue's a dumpster fire. But then the back half of that schedule. It gets tough. Uh, at Penn State, at Maryland, and the game is at Michigan this year to end the season. Uh, they're going to be 9-0. and uh, We're going to see what the last three games yeah. end up being. They won't but play their first ranked say, team I, until November 11th is their first ranked I, team. That's what I'm saying. There's nothing that says that how they will compete against a top five team. However, w- against the teams that they've played, they've beaten them as bad as possible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we'll put that on Instagram. Tell us what you think. See what you uh, see if we got it right or where you disagree. All right, our picks this week. We'll roll these kind of quick, and then we'll wrap up with some fantasy football. We've talked about this one already. Arkansas at Alabama. Alabama is a 20-point home favorite. I think if this was a 30-point line, I would take it. Alabama is going to just crush Arkansas. I think they'll get a special teams touchdown, a defensive touchdown, an offensive touchdown, and I think Alabama covers. They win by at least 20. Yeah, I'm with you. The the line is – the line – I hate taking – if this was the other way around, if this game was at Fayetteville, I'd have taken Arkansas just because sure. I don't like home dogs uh, with that many points. Uh, but I'm with you. Give me Alabama and the points. I just – I mean, yeah, Alabama and the points. I just – Arkansas lost four straight games. There's no way this isn't five. <clears throat> There's no way they're going into Bryant-Denny Stadium with any sort of confidence at all. No. And a team that doesn't have confidence, doesn't have a little bit of swagger, don't stand a chance. No, especially the only way they don't cover is if this game ends up being like twenty-four to seven. Yeah, and and you know? Saban takes the air out of the ball at the end of the right. game. But where Alabama has struggled on offense, they haven't struggled on defense. That defense no. is good, and they're going to give KJ Jefferson problems. Rocket Sanders is beat up; he ain't going nowhere. I just think this game reeks of thirty-one to three or thirty thirty-eight to to six. A couple field goals for Arkansas. I don't even know right. if they score a touchdown. All right, next up is a huge, huge Pac-12 matchup. It's lost a little bit of luster after Washington lost last week, but Washington is a three-point. Washington didn't lose last week. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Washington State lost last week. Sorry, Washington State lost last week. Washington is a three-point home favorite over the Oregon Ducks. Drew, what's your take here? Um, This is by far my favorite game of the week. I'm so glad this game is at 2.30 and not the Pac-12 after dark dark. Exactly. Because I would have stayed up, but I would not have been as happy about it. Oregon (laughs) and Washington is good. Two Heisman Trophy contenders with Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Uh, I don't really know. Washington being a three-point favorite at home tells me that if this was played at, say, the Rose Bowl, that it would have been a pick Mm -hmm. You know, it's 
totally based on um, based on home field advantage. Location. Yeah. Three points. Oregon yeah. would be a three-point home favorite. Um, you know, I don't really know where to go here. It's really a toss-up, and I'll pick one just because I feel like the quarterbacks are a wash. I, I don't really know who's got a better defense going forward. Uh, ESPN has this matchup predictor at 55% Oregon on the road with Washington being the home favorite. Uh, so give me Bo Nix. Bo Nix because I've seen him for a long time. It's a, both of these guys feels like they've been playing the quarterback position in college football <laughs> for eight years. For eight years. Uh, Bo Nix, to me, has been in a lot of bigger games, being at Auburn and then being at Oregon. Uh, the environment's not going to shake him any as the road team. Uh, I feel like Washington kind of has that same stigma like a lot of those, you know, Michigan State teams did or, you know, those Pac-12 teams or, uh, or Big Ten teams that make it to the playoffs just to get wiped out by Alabama. That's what I feel like this – this uh, stereotype of Washington is, and I haven't seen them win this game yet, and so that's why I'm going to pick against them. Give me Oregon uh, plus three. And that's who I picked, Oregon, for all the same reasons. I feel like Oregon has been in bigger games already this year. Their defense, again, Colorado's offense isn't like a juggernaut, but it's a good offense, and they absolutely crushed them. I think Oregon has shown to me the ability to step up to a big game because they played in one. Um, Bo Nix, it's funny you mentioned Bo Nix being in college forever. He actually beat Justin Herbert when he was at Oregon, and Bo Nix was right. at Auburn, and Herbert's a four-year pro now. So right. um, Bo Nix has got seasoning. He's been there forever. I'm taking Oregon as well. Next up, A&M at UT, playing in Knoxville, Neyland Stadium, under the lights, Tennessee, three-point home favorite, and I think that – this is the game that really starts unraveling all things Jimbo Fisher at A&M. I don't trust Joe Milton, but he's serviceable. Tennessee's defense is better. I think that if they can give Milton time, and, and Tennessee's O-line is good. It's not that Milton hadn't had time. He's just wildly inaccurate on middle to underneath throws. But I think they get enough big plays. Their defense is good enough to stop A&M. Again, you keep the ball out of an Smith's hand, and I think a and is a very beatable team. A three-point home favorite, you know, this game might be 27-20. Um, I think Tennessee pulls out the home win. Give me Tennessee in the points. Yeah, I don't really have a feeling on this one as well. I feel like Texas A&M as a squad is better. Probably. Uh, again, what did you say the, the DraftKings line is? Uh, it's three points. So, another game that played on a neutral field uh, would be a pick em. And so, I kind of like A&M's tests so far. You know, A&M's played Bama. They've played Auburn. They've played Miami on the road. Like they, They've played games that sure. feel like put them in a better spot. What I feel like is working against them here is you're going on the road playing a team that's just coming off of a bye. Mm. Uh, Tennessee's got the ex- – an extra week of rest and, and they play better at home. at home they play better at home their loss this year is at florida on the road right and at florida is all you had to say it don't really i mean they're not gonna win many games in the swamp no uh just as a rule never have but uh i want to pick texas a&m i'm, I'm rooting for texas a&m because of what it means going forward for Ole miss like i said earlier the 
giving Ole Miss the best win possible. However, I do think Tennessee and three points is the pick here, and that's where I'll go. I hate the fact that we're lining up so, <laughs> so much. So far. But uh, it's just – I don't – like I, I, both of these teams are flawed offensively. Uh, the uh, uh, Brad Johnson's kid, uh, he is yeah. – Max. Yeah, what's his – Max. Like, he's fine. He's not going to screw up. Joe Milton is liable to screw up, but he's also liable to look like <laughs> the best quarterback in football. Yeah. Like the the whole range of outcomes for Joe Milton is so wide that that's why I'm leaning Tennessee with an extra week to prepare. Yeah, I feel Joe like you Milton. know what you're gonna get from Max Johnson. You don't know what you're gonna get from Joe Milton, and that that gray area is why I think Tennessee could win this game. I think they yeah. could win it big, and I think they could win by a touchdown. Yeah, Max Johnson's best game is probably like uh, Joe Milton's, uh, you know, forty percent. Yeah, you know? I think but Joe Milton's got that extra sixty percent, but he can also go out to negative twenty. I mean, know? that's it. Like, I think yeah. like Max Johnson, if Max Johnson can go to Tennessee and even go like fifteen for twenty-one, throw for like two hundred yards and two touchdowns, they're going to win that football game with a special teams touchdown. Exactly, like that, you know? but there's a very real likelihood that Joe Milton could go out there and go like forty-one for fifty and throw for you know three hundred and six touchdowns. Like it could, he's got Let a much higher ceiling. Show, I will be rooting for Texas A&M yeah. uh, for the reasons that I've stated, but also uh, seeing sad Tennessee fans in Neyland Stadium it's, is like a drug. It just makes my heart uh, so yeah. happy. <laughs> uh, but I do think I am going to pick Tennessee uh, minus three. Yeah. All right, next up, in the game of who do you trust, neither team, but who do you trust, Florida plays at South Carolina, where South Carolina is a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. Uh, listen, I don't even know why we're picking this game. This game, I'm not watching this one at all. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> South Carolina's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, two-and-a-half-point home favorite. Uh, another game on a neutral site, probably be a pick em. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, what a dud of a game. Yeah. Uh, I went I'd South Carolina because they're the home win, team. So, I went South Carolina, yeah. they're the home team. They run the ball well, and we both know that Florida cannot stop the run. Yeah, Spencer Rattlers, I know. Spencer Rattlers another one of those quarterbacks where he could have a bad game, and he can go out there and throw for 300. And so, of the teams that I trust none, I trust Florida less than I trust I'm South Carolina. I'm not going to ever trust Graham Mertz. No. <laughs> yeah, so give me Spencer Rattler and his high variability, you know, but give me yeah. Spencer Rattler. Yep. This one is one we might differ on. Maybe not. Um, Auburn plays at LSU, where LSU is an 11.5-point home favorite. I mean, LSU, if they've got any pride at all, they're going to put them away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they're going to they're going to try to get on track here. 11.5 points is a What time lot is that game? Points. What time uh, is that game? Uh, I'm see. looking it up right now. Okay. We'll see who gets there first. Uh, I just don't. I don't know about LSU right now, and I certainly don't know about at, um, It's 7 Auburn. o'clock. 7 Eastern, o'clock in Death Valley. 6 o'clock Central. Uh, give me LSU. I think they're going to have to get on track at some point if they're as good as they are. They've, they've had their pride tested back-to-back weeks, and uh, one going 1-1 one and one against Ole Miss and Missouri, uh, LSU fans don't ever think they should lose to either of those teams. Uh, but they've looked ugly in both of them. And so it's kind of the thing that I was thinking about Georgia last week. At some point, they're going to have to 
get off the snide a little bit. Yep. And so, give me LSU. Eleven and a half is a lot of points uh, to give up, but I just don't. I don't know. It's a night game at uh, home, and they yeah. they usually win those games convincingly. But Hugh Freeze has those years where he just has one screwy win that he's not supposed to, whether that's beating Alabama or beating these teams they're not supposed to. And I think. Like you said, I think he's going to really be gunning for Ole Miss and probably State to an extent. But this feels like one of those kooky games that they could win, but I don't think they do. I think they cover. I think it's a close game. I think LSU is not – they're good. They're still a good football team. Their defense is bad. All the, it just so happens that Auburn's offense is terrible. And oh, LSU's offense can get bogged down. And then all of a sudden they'll hit Malik Neighbors for a 50-yard touchdown. I think LSU wins, but 11.5 is a lot of points. I'm going to take Auburn on the points. I don't I don't think they'll beat LSU, but I think they'll hang with them enough to keep it close. If Auburn had a decent quarterback, I would. Yeah, that's fair. Because their that's defense fair. is good. They are, their defense is good, but Alford and that other kid just cannot – just they cannot play. Um, no. But I think Auburn does enough to keep it close. You know, it, a 10-point ball game they cover, a 7-point ball game they cover, and I could see that happening. So give me Auburn on the points. Okay. Last two, we've got uh, Southern Cal, the real USC. Shout out to my Gamecock fans at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. I don't know that I trust Notre Dame. They have screwed me twice this year. I picked them to beat Ohio State, and they didn't do that. I picked them to lose to Duke, and they couldn't do that for me. So I'm taking USC out of spite, which means well, – I'm taking Notre Dame. Exactly. You should take <laughs> Notre Dame because my kiss of death is on Caleb Williams and, and Southern Cal. It's a rivalry game. It's at South Bend. Uh, did you see the video that came out today of how you, USC was preparing for this game? It's oh, supposed with, to, uh, well, they, they, they got some chemical spray. Yeah, just yeah. hosing these kids down, catching yeah. punts and catching um, balls because it's going to be a gross rainy night in South Bend, which will slow down USC's offense, but not enough. I think USC is a touchdown better team. Give me USC over Notre Dame. Yeah, I was going to pick USC too, but your history of Notre Dame makes me want to pick I'm just, Notre Dame. I, you know, be, it would be the you. smart play. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Caleb will – I mean, I don't think USC can stop anybody. They haven't shown that they can. Mm-hmm. They have a defense that has a pulse at all. Uh, Notre Dame, like I've said with LSU, they've got a – they've had their pride tested the last two weeks, last three weeks. Uh so they're going to have to get off the mat at some point if they're going to. Um, you said uh, they're, they're favorites. Uh, Notre Dame is a two-and-a-half point yeah. favorite. Give, which me, is... give me South, South Southern Cal. I don't, want, no. I don't want to bet against uh, no. Caleb Williams as a dog against no. a, a Notre Dame team that just lost to Louisville. A bad Notre Dame team whose defense is not that yeah. great. Although that video I sent you on Instagram, did you watch it? Yeah. Uh, which one? Uh, it you was sent me a lot of videos. I do. It was this, <laughs> and you, you don't respond, but it was this one of uh, the Notre Dame media team did like a highlight oh, no, of I the last – dude, watch it. It's like a four-part watch. It was really well done because they've got the coaches, like headsets playing through as they're playing through it. It was incredible. Great. I'm a sucker for a hype video. I hate Notre Dame, but that was awesome. I'll and watch the, it. The last one is Missouri at Kentucky. We got a lot of close spreads this week. Missouri at Kentucky. Kentucky is a two and a half point home favorite at Missouri. Kroger Field. That's what I'm I taking. Want Missouri. Ah. I have my picks already lined up. I took Missouri at Kentucky. I don't trust them. Uh, uh, I almost said it. Devin O'Leary is is a complete fraud. Can't play quarterback. Bad, Devin bad. Uh, yeah. 
I, I did it. Devin he's Leary. Not, is a, he's not Irish. Yeah. <laughs> Devin Leary is a bad quarterback. Welcome to the Two Buck Sports Podcast where we butcher everybody's yeah, name. Welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a fraud of a quarterback. Ray Davis is good, but Missouri defends a run well. I'm taking Missouri as well. All right, Drew, hit us All with right. those Drewskis from the League of Avengers last yeah. week. That's some good games, man. I had some good games. I always like it when games are decided on Monday night, but we did not have any of that this week at all. Everything was decided going into Monday night, but that goes to figure when the Monday night game is the Raiders versus the Packers. You know, there's just not going to be any players of value really on either side of that. Um, let's see. Uh, had some big scores again. Uh Hunter Shaw has consistently put up – he's got the two high-scoring games of the season. Uh, and Kirk put 173 up on Zach, uh, but he did not beat Zach as bad as Hunter beat Aaron. Gotham City Knights oh, holy put up a 90-point win or 86-point win over Aaron Ivey just – yeah, I was I was telling Zach last night. He's like, it's it's not that I feel like Hunter has the best roster. He's just made the right moves. It seems like every week he texts me on Sunday morning or on a Thursday afternoon. It was like, should I start DJ Moore or, or uh, Raheem Mostert? And I was kind of like, I was leaning Mostert. And he was like, well, I may have maybe down Amon Ross St. Brown. So I think I'm going to have to end up. I'm going to regret not starting DJ Moore if Amon Ross St. Brown ends up being out on Sunday. So he puts DJ Moore in, and he goes for 49. The week before, he was struggling with whether to put Mostert in, and he decided to put Mostert in. He went for 45. Like, he's just made the right calls every time, it seems like. And, and Hunter's a really good fantasy player, and uh, but that comes with luck as well. And so Hunter beating him by 94 points is just – or 96 points is just unreal. That's your buddy Stevens Award winner. Uh, most points scored in a loss, the Al Gore Award, is not really anything to speak of this week. There's The rest of the games were kind of duds. Uh, most points scored in a loss is 113 points by our boy Lump. Uh, got beat 135-113. Uh, just not really a, 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 very, a week that you're going to really remember if you're not Hunter Shaw or Kurt. Uh, this weekend. Hey, listen, football. I beat Andrew Farrell by 63. I mean, I came close to the Buddy Stevens Award with some big showings um, from Travis Etienne on Sunday morning from London, George Kittle with his Dallas Cowboys t-shirt on, got me three touchdowns in the Sunday night yeah. game as they just beat the brakes off the Cowboys. That was fun to watch. And a little humble brag moment, I went into Sunday at negative five. Because I picked up the commander's <laughs> defense thinking the Bears' offense has right. been trash, and so why not play the defense? Like, I stream defenses. Why not play the defense playing the Bears? And all of a sudden, the Bears sinks to the friggin' Chiefs and put up 40 on the commanders. And I was going into Sunday at negative five and yeah. still come back and won by 63. Yeah. Wait for the day you get humbled a little uh, bit. It's coming. So I got Aaron Ivey this weekend. Not super worried about that. Next weekend, I play Hunter Shaw. That's the yeah, weekend that I'm nervous about. Big one. That's the one I'm so. nervous about. I've got a couple guys on by that week. But, yeah, fantasy football is going well so far for the Mad Titans, but in two weeks we'll find out what we're all about. Yeah, I got back on the winning ways. I'm not going to lie. I pulled a trade off with our boy Neezy uh, a few weeks back. One for one, I traded him Hunter Henry, and he traded me Brees Hall. We were <laughs> He was hungry for a tiny, and I was hungry for a running back with Saquon Barkley on IR. 
I played an easy this week, and uh, Brees Hall went for 30, around 30, and Hunter Henry went for zero. So that did <laughs> feel that. really good. I uh, saw that. And so uh, a good week back on the winning track. Uh, you know, uh, the game against Rusty last week was just a minor setback mm. for a major comeback. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But, hey, the Mad Titans still 5-0, baby. What, Let's go. Justin Jefferson going to the R does not make no, me feel good. No, it doesn't. But – um, you know, looking at the final standing projections that ESPN does, we were talking about this all fair. I was picked as the ninth team out of 11, out of 12 in our league. I was not one of the higher teams, and I wasn't super excited about my roster, but it's all come together. I just hope we don't peak too soon. A lot of football left. <laughs> yeah, so two right now is uh, uh, Gotham, Gotham City uh, be Hunter. Yeah, and then number three would be Kuman. Kuman Torch. That's uh, that's Mutters, and mm-hmm. I'm four, so which seems fair with yeah. uh, with uh, I was shaking out so far. Justin Jefferson going down. So, yeah. anyways, good podcast, Rusty. Yeah, man, enjoy this one as always, sir. Uh, tell them where they can find us and where they can keep up with us. Yeah, you can find us at the number two buck sports pod on all of your podcast platforms on instagram if you want to interact with us that's the place to do it we love our interactions on instagram all the polls that we do on there throughout the week is really provides a good base level for us going into each podcast week and to have some interaction and something to uh, to talk about that we know that you guys have participated in that's what we want this podcast to be is a lot of crowd participation and audience participation so we appreciate everybody who has participated and invite anybody who hasn't to start. Uh, we really enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find us. You can find us again on your podcast streams, streams next week uh, on Thursday morning. Be looking for us. Yeah, man. And again, tell your friends, any Memphis Grizzly Major League Baseball fans, we're going to talk about that some next week as our two favorite teams are on a bye week. We'll talk college football, obviously. I'm sure there'll be some good games this weekend we can talk about. But share with a friend that you haven't before. Get them to listen. Get them to interact. Like Drew said, we love when y'all do. So we appreciate those that participate week in and week out. And as he said, we'll see y'all back here next week. Appreciate it, Drew. See you, man. Thank you.